Hey, welcome to the 219th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently, well, I was just talking about uh, 2005's All-Star Batman and Robin. So by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. So he did uh, the first four issues, five-ish, four issues. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue with the next one this week. I might jump over and look at something else. Maybe come back. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Well, it, it's been an, it's been very interesting going back and and rereading that series. So you can hear about that. Sometimes I talk about movies as well, like older movies. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman for mech. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right. This week, it's another uh, full week. We got uh, Eternals is finally here. A lot. Of, it seems like the critics don't like it. I I enjoyed it. I, I I have some things to say about it, so we can talk about that. I also um, last weekend, not this this past week, a weekend weekend ago, whatever you want to call it. I I watched Paranormal Activity: Next of Kin. So that's a Paramount Plus exclusive. It's a yeah. That's a got some things to say about that as well. So you can hear about that. Um, then you can hear about Doom Patrol, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, I didn't really care for it so much this week. Um, I'm almost thinking of stopping covering it, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like in a, a fondness for the show because of like, some of the characters. I don't know. We'll see. Um, let me know if you want me to continue or not, if, if you feel in one way or the other. Uh, Stargirl season finale. It's unfortunate. I, I say I've enjoyed that show, and I can't believe some people aren't watching it. It's just ridiculous, like watching old movies instead or whatever. It's like, watch the show. It's, it's really good. Season finale, and uh, it's a bummer. We got to wait so we can talk more about that. Chucky, uh, fourth episode. I'm I'm enjoying this show. It's, it's not perfect, but it, it's good. And then uh, the season finale of Why the Last Man. So a lot of things are ending. I don't know if anything's starting up this coming week. I know Flash is in a couple weeks. I'm almost tempted to start talking about Riverdale, just because uh, Sabrina is is, is gonna Sabrina uh, was Sabrina the teenage witch? No, right? Sabrina Sabrina Spellman is gonna be. Uh, is this a, a crossover with the net? I mean, this is awesome. I've, I enjoyed the Sabrina show. The thing with the Riverdales, I haven't watched the last season. I started because I'm still trying to watch it. That's another show like out of fondness, but I'm like behind. So I have some on my DVR. I don't know if I lost any because my DVR is like full of episodes of ridiculousness and Teen Titans Go that I still haven't watched and other things. But I don't think I'm going to talk about that. I mean, we'll see, but probably not. As far as uh, last week, so I started, I talked about the first five episodes of lock and key and i said you know maybe i'll talk about the rest i didn't finish so i talked about the first five i think i think i'm on episode eight right now so i think i watched three more and i didn't get a chance to watch anything so i'm still i'm still behind still catching up and again i I know it's lame but you know working teaching all day is is you know that takes majority of my time and i'm still 
working with my daughter with her, her college statistics class and, and, you know, she's doing an online class. And so I'm kind of teaching her, you know, the, the stuff and trying to remember the, the math of it that I haven't done in like over 10 years from when I taught AP statistics. So it's a, it's been interesting and we're, we're kind of doing like, like a chapter a week and, and because of both of our times and schedules, you know, we're, we're kind of doing it like in a day or two. It's, it's intense. Uh, yeah. So we, we have all that and then just, you know, trying to read all comics and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to, to catch up and then the art post. So this past week, so now I'm just rambling, right? So I, I try to do a, a, a post a picture every, every week on my Instagram, Gman for Mech. And this past weekend, I wanted to do because I, I watched They Live. I should talk about They Live on a secret podcast sometime. So I won't say anything about that. I'll save that in case I do someday. And so I drew a picture of Roddy Piper, uh, John Nada. It's the I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Or whatever ran out of bubblegum ran out of it. So I drew a picture of that. I was like, okay, this won't take that long. Is just do a quick, you know, whatever. And then I started committing to draw his shirt because he's wearing kind of like this plaid shirt, this like striped sort of whatever. And I was trying. To, I I went like over detailed on the stupid shirt and like trying to you know do little like squares and rectangles, trying to match the different colors and just trying to do different shades and like it was kind of ridiculous and. It, it, no one's gonna care on my Instagram feed, you know. No one's gonna gonna click it, and so I spent like all that time. I was I was like literally, because I post them Saturday, so it's like Friday night. Like I said, I need to get to bed, and I'm like trying to finish this up so I could post it in the morning. And yeah, so that's uh, so yeah, no no lock and key because <laughs> I, I didn't finish it. And I'm I'm trying to think what else there was. There there's some uh, something else. You know, I still haven't watched more of that, that Aquaman cartoon because I think there's only three episodes. I still haven't watched more Young Justice. I will catch up on that some some point, but those first two episodes, it really bums me out that those first two episodes didn't win me over, but I guess that's how it is. Okay, on to the news. So there's there's your long intro, but it looks like, what? Well, how much news? Not a whole lot, that's right? That's what I always say. There was a trailer, when was a trailer for Mandalorian? I don't think I talked about it last week. There's a trailer for the Mandalorian, uh, or not the, not the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, <laughs> the book, book, book of Boba Fett. One of the problems I have with this, and it's it's not, I mean, it's understandable in, in a way, but there's like, even in the trailer, there's a scene where Boba Fett takes off his helmet. I get that, you know, if, if you're an actor, you don't want to be stuck underneath the helmet. Because even, you know, Pedro Pascal, uh, you know, he took off his helmet. And you should, it's such a weird thing because, you know, you, you think about it, like if, if you have someone, you could get anyone, you know, why why do you need that, you know, actor or whatever and you can just put in a stunt double in there and you know with like doom patrol and you know you look at robot man and you know while brendan Fraser's voicing him it's like you know he doesn't need to be on set uh, except for last week's episode or whatever the one before it, it's just from like everything that we've ever read or seen it's like you know boba fett never taken his helmet off it's almost like he wanted to conceal his identity even though it's not like it's a real secret who he is because everyone should know that he was Django Fett's kid and you know Django Fett wasn't you know really secretive about himself and let alone the fact that he sold his DNA to the Kaminoans Kaminoans 
<laughs> there we go again. Uh, so they could make clones that all looked like him. And the fact that Boba Fett is a clone of him. So it, it shouldn't really be a surprise. But I don't know. I, I feel like he shouldn't reveal. He shouldn't have his helmet off. But I guess he deserves a, to get some sun or whatever he wants. But the trailer looks a little weird because I, I wonder if, if it's a little misleading. But there are some people like questioning his his authority or whatever. And it's it's like... Is Boba Fett going to really take that? And Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but wh- one thing that, that came out after is apparently Jennifer Beals, uh, many know her from Flashdance, but she's been in other things. She was one of the Twi'leks. So I don't know how many roles she's committed to, but I, I mean, maybe she's just like, hey, I, I would love to be a Twi'lek. I just want to come in for you know one day or whatever and film this scene. But she's probably going to have a bigger role. We'll see. Then there was a trailer for Morbius. <laughs> I actually didn't. I think it was like almost like a day after it came out. I, I, I finally got around to watching it. So when the trailer came out, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I mean, I'm going to see it. You know, I, I, I do think Jared Leto is a great actor. I just don't don't really care for the character. I don't know the, the fact that idea or I mean, the, the, the idea, the fact, the idea. What am I even saying? The, the trying to make a movie out of this character. I mean, he's like the last character I would ever expect to see. I get why Sony's doing it. You know, they're looking at, okay, we have the rights to these Spider-Man characters, so let's see what, what we can do. But to go with Morbius, of all people, I can see doing a Craven the Hunter. You know, Craven the Hunter has, has I think he, I would say he has more, you know, popularity than Morbius. But to go with, with Morbius, I mean... It's like, oh, we want to tell a vampire-ish story, I guess. But, and I, I still think it's weird that that they're they're doing all these Spider-Man villains without Spider-Man. And you know, yeah, they're probably going to try to do a Sinister Six. So you know, maybe it's just kind of like with Avengers, Marvel doing Avengers. You know, introduce all the characters and bring them together as a team. That's fine. But usually, you know, like in comics, when villains are introduced, they're introduced in the heroes book so you would usually you know we, we get a spider-man movie and we get like three villains at once in, in the old days so i don't know but speaking of the old days apparently andrew garfield uh had some things to say about his experience it it wasn't good he or he said it like it hurt him so this calls in a question is like would he want to come back and and i think think maybe you know he would he, he still says he he you know he hasn't admitted or said anything and i know there's like some rumblings but i don't you know who knows what's real and what's fake since there hasn't been anything official but he was saying how you know he was young he was like really excited he really you know loved the character and all this you know he he mentioned it like at comic-con you know you got all these adults like men and women who really love the character and, and you know understand where the character's coming from all this but then it's more than that you know it's it's not so much about the character and the story it's it's about making money and I guess at the time, you know, Sony needed to make another Spider-Man movie so they wouldn't lose the rights after Spider-Man 3, after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So I don't know if that meant they kind of pushed things. And if this, I mean, I, I haven't watched those movies in, in forever. So I don't know how they would hold up. I mean, I didn't, I, I know I didn't hate them. I didn't despise them or anything. I mean, they were fine. They, you know... I'm, I'm maybe someday I, sh- I should maybe I should watch one of those on a secret podcast and, and go over that. But it, it, I guess it just the soulless soullessness 
of the experience kind of was hard on him that it was all about just making the money and everything. And, you know, maybe there's some pressures and, and stuff. I don't know. So I think that's a little different now. So while, you know, you can say Sony and Marvel are, you know, of, of course, absolutely 100%, they're out to make a profit. But they also know they, that things are a little different, that, you know, you, you can't just crank out whatever just by what you know some people want to say about marvel and, and their movies you know there there is a lot of character development you know because you have to, the potential you know you have to can you make a sequel can you do a franchise out of this you know so-and-so character and i'm that's something that i'm sure that they've th- put a lot of thought into with the eternals you know it's not like let's just slap another marvel you know banner on, on this this movie and crank it out and we'll do more if people don't care about the characters we're not going to see him again so we'll see there was a uh, teaser another teaser for stranger things 4 and i almost forgot like what happened i mean it's been so long because you know, we see 11 she's at some other school she's got like different hairstyle you know, she's got bangs and and doesn't have a whole lot of friends you know someone's shooting spitballs who shoots spit spitballs at people it's like come on i mean it's just a whole idea of bullies and, and all that it's just it just it baffles my mind that what the the thinking that people they don't whatever anyways so she's like writing a letter to mike so she's talking about spring break so obviously you know they're, i guess they're gonna meet up or see each other and then all the craziness is gonna go down so uh it's it looked fine i mean i it's it's weird that we had that other trailer about that like creepy house. It's just like I really don't know what, what where the show's going. And then there's like you know what's happening with Hopper. You know, so it feels like there's a lot that this next season could jam in there, and, and that's a little concerning. But I, I'm the other seasons have, well for the most part have been good, so I'm I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, Black Panther two. So let how do you say Latitia Latitia. I just I said it. I tried saying it a different way. I said it the same exact way. Uh, Latitia Wright. I feel like I'm adding an extra T in there, but there is there are two T's. Uh, she was injured apparently. I don't remember if I talked about this. She was injured in, in Black Panther two. This was back in September, and they're trying to do everything they they could. So they're they're going to have to halt production. They haven't said how she was. She was injured doing a stunt. So it's like this is why you get stunt people. So she was injured, and they're going to do everything that they can, but then they're going to stop. They're going to halt production on Thanksgiving, and then they're going to come back in 2022 sometime, uh, hopefully like you know January or something like that. So she's supposedly recuperating, recovering, resting in her home in London or something like that. That So I, that sounds like it could delay the movie. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to film other things that they could – because I guess she's been like – elevated to the lead of the movie obviously because you know the unfortunate passing of, of chadwick boseman so they could try to do what they can but if, if she's the lead you know obviously they can't do too much without her i mean there's gonna be scenes without her that's unfortunate i mean thankfully she's okay you know we recently had the other tragedy on, on a set of a movie you know with, with alec baldwin yeah it's just you gotta be careful and I, I get when like you know you get like your Tom Cruise actors who want to do these stunts and and it is I'm you know it's not so much these days but it used to be you know back in the day a few years back whatever when you'd clearly see it's like that is so obviously a stunt double and it, it does kind of pull you out you know 
from from the the story a little bit. So, but still, you, you got to be careful. And um, you know, actors, it's it's great that they're trying to push it that they want to be involved. But you know, you are trained in the art of acting, and you know, pre- delivering this performance. You are not trained in doing stunts. And and you know we always you know see these like behind the scene footage when you know people are doing their training or their fight choreography and stuff like that you know that's just one thing but I think this she was injured like on a, on a rig thing whatever so you gotta be careful but you know part of me I can't help but be skeptical is like is this really was she really injured since we don't know the specifics of it because we know she's an anti vaxxer you know she she made a, a strong statement against that. I, I guess I just don't understand that. I, I, I don't really want to get into the, you know, anti-vaxxer uh, philosophy or, or anything like that. You know, but you're, you're seeing how some people are. You know, I I, I saw some, some like pilots saying like they're taking away my choice, and I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, when the heck am I going to be able to get the vaccine? You know, because I'm as a as a teacher being. Expo, you know, in in front of all these children, or who knows what's going on in their home, who they're interacting with, and you know, they say kids don't have, you know, always show symptoms, and so they could be a carrier. I didn't want to get it, and and I know some people, you know, some people can get it, and maybe people react differently. Some people are fine, but you know, some people get like long term effects, and and they they're never really like a hundred percent, or it takes a while to get it back to hundred percent. I don't want to deal with that. And, and, you know, you see how many you know, millions of people have died. I, I just, I mean, I got my, my booster. I mean, I, I'm just full disclosure, whatever. You know, I, I got my, my, my two shots and then I got my booster, like, what, a couple months ago, a month? We're in November now. Yeah, I got it in September. And, you know, I, I feel a little better. I still wear my mask when I, you know, every, obviously in the stores I wear a mask. Uh Often outside, you know, sometimes I don't. And I, it, it's weird when you see a lot of people aren't wearing masks. And, and, you know, they say it's safe when you're outdoors and all that. So, you know, you go with that. And, you know, going to the movie theater, you know, it was nice when I went to see Eternals. You know, the doors were open and, you know, a couple you know, people were walking in. And then you see they're cleaning the theaters. Because, you know, there's, there's a big question. Do they really clean the theaters in between? So, thankfully, my theater, I mean, my theater always looks like spotless. And, you know, and seeing how the classrooms were cleaned, you know, when we were doing cohorts last year and seeing how, you know, it, it doesn't, you don't have to like get, really get in there scrub. There, there's different ways and foggers and, you know, things where you can clean surfaces, you know, it's really easy. And, you know, maybe with the theaters, they also look at, okay, like which seats were taken, which seats were used. Cause you know, since you, you have assigned seats or you buy your seat or what, so you have all that. Anyways, um, so Black Panther is delayed, and also uh, Jason Momoa has got COVID. So I know it doesn't. I mean, the chances of getting COVID if you have the vaccine, it's it's possible. You know, not very likely. So I guess we can assume maybe that he he's an anti-vaxxer. I just I don't know. I I don't think it's it's. It's worth it. And, you know, you can say, I don't know, is it the idea that, like, oh, what, what is the government putting in me? You know, you know, some people are like, they're putting a tracker in me or, or this or that. I mean, that's not happening. People, you know, people should have the choice to do what they want. But the thing is, you're also putting other people at risk and you're putting yourself at risk. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, why, why are you risking your life? Why are you risking others? And, 
And, you know, I think January, it's like you have to either be vaccinated or you have to get tested. So you don't have to, you know, most places. But um, if, if a, a company says, yeah, you have to be vaccinated, it's up to you. You don't have to work there. Anyways. So let's hope that Jason Momoa recovers fully. And let's hope that Letitia recovers from her injury. I, I'm not saying she's got COVID or anything like that, but who knows? Uh, Naomi. So there was, a, I guess there's a trailer or teaser for the CW show Naomi. So this is the Brian Michael Bendis uh, created character. I forgot who was, who was the artist in that. Anyways, they're, they're doing a CW show. This is a character that I, I'm not completely won over by her, her appearance in the comics. You know, she, she was created and, and then she was kind of pushed into the justice league. And, you know, it was because actually first she was like pushed into young justice because Brian Michael Bendis was, was writing that. And then when he's like writing, he's writing justice league, right? So she appears in there. So he feels a strong attachment to the character, obviously. And it's great having more characters of color, but I feel like they're making this huge. I, I don't know what I'm missing, and and maybe you know I I I'm not the one to talk to you about this because I don't necessarily always see characters by colors or whatever. You know, if you create an awesome new black character, awesome new Asian character, awesome new alien, you know, green eyed, three eyed, whatever, green eyed, <laughs> three eyed alien, you know, it, it's whatever. It's like is is a character cool. But I feel like that they're really pushing Naomi. You know, we do have other black characters. You know, we have John Stewart, and you know, he, he's he's I mean, he's the first one that comes to mind. And you know, we got Vixen and Black Lightning, and you know, there there's there are other characters. That, I I mean, I get it. If you want to create a new character, why why create another white white character? Let let's create a, a person of color. Okay, cool. But I just feel like there's a lot of push with her and her story and everything it's it's i guess it's interesting but it just doesn't i don't know and and the fact that she's barely been around and then she gets a tv show and the fact that they that naomi got a tv show over yara floor wonder girl i mean i would be much more interested in in seeing you know a wonder girl tied to the amazon or you know whatever story that might be i'm not saying i won't watch naomi i mean obviously i watch it but Anyways, why am I talking about Naomi? Is it's gonna be appearing after Superman and Lois? So I, I think the, so. This is gonna be in January, January eleventh. I think the idea is hopefully that you know people watch Superman and then they'll keep watching and watch Naomi. Thing is, a lot of people these days they DVR their shows, so that may not have any impact, or they watch like on the CW app. So we'll, we'll see, but. Good luck to everyone involved, and you know if, if this means a lot to Brian Michael Bendis, I like him. You know he's he's always been nice to me, although he did make a comment about my war my t shirts one, one time in a, in an interview with someone else. But he's a, he's a great guy. I, last time I talked to him was I think when Powers was coming out, so I I, I like him and um, so good luck to him. Good luck to everyone involved with production actors. I I hope to be pleasantly surprised with with the show there was um another resident evil welcome to raccoon city trailer so i actually i was like okay here's another one i'm not i did watch it i was like all right fine i'll watch it it was just like a minute and like something 12 seconds or something what was weird about this trailer is it's 
it's different from the first one. It's like, you know, the first one, I what I enjoyed was having, you know, the Three Non Blonde song. This one, there's like no music. There's more like suspenseful sound effects type of thing. So it's almost feel, almost feels like a different type of movie. You know, it's like it's it's a little more serious. So uh, I mean, it, it comes out on the twenty fourth, so that that's coming up. Uh, you know, I guess it'll be you know. So next week is going to be I guess Red Notice. Is that what it is? The the Netflix. Uh, what's his name? Um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> uh, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And then Ghostbusters, and then I guess it'll be Resident Evil, maybe. So, anyways, the, the trailer. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. It, it look, could be could be good. Speaking of Gal Gadot, um, actually, speaking of Dwayne Johnson, let's start with Dwayne Johnson because this isn't much of a story. It, it is an important uh, story. One one thing he said that he is committed to no real guns on his movies. He's like they're just going to use rubber guns, and they'll. Thick, they'll add in the shooting or whatever in post, and you know it might cost more, but if it gets rid of the danger of someone possibly getting injured from a lot a real gun, even with blanks or whatever, that's that's his his commitment. That's going to be his 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 mandate, I guess, in anything he's involved with. And you know he's got the power to do it. You want to put a movie with Vin Diesel? He's like, hey, if there's guns, we're not using real guns, or I'm not in this. That's awesome that you know he can say that. So so that that's great. Gal Gadot. So um, she apparently, I think I don't know if this is a hundred percent. I think it is because you know there's always like in talks, and then it gets announced. It's like if it's in talks and it might not happen, don't 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 reveal it. But you know stuff gets out. But apparently she's most likely possibly going to play the evil queen in Snow White. I mean that that's great. Uh, um, it'll be it'd be cool to see her in a different type of role but snow white and i i know this was announced a while ago but it's just, i always like what what how what can you possibly do to justify the need for a live action snow white and to, i guess you know, just to sell make money but hopefully i mean hopefully there'll be some something innovative in in doing the movie but at the same time, you don't want to be too much of a departure. I don't know. Uh, Matt Smith, he revealed it. He almost had a role in Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. He came close, but then they decided that like the character kind of wasn't necessary. I, I don't know if I don't think he mentioned specifics of what it was, but that would have been that would have been cool and weird to see him in there. And you know, maybe it's it's good that he wasn't because you know maybe he can in some other sort of Star Wars thing someday and you know because if he had just a minor role here he might not necessarily get cast as something else I mean maybe you know we've, we've seen it happen but that that's like with him being in uh, Morbius you see him in a Morbius trailer so it's like okay this is your you're dipping your toe into the Marvel Cinematic Universe are you okay with just doing the, whatever this one little role is? And, you know, I don't know, is he playing like a detective or something? And then you can't be anyone else necessarily. Cause that would be kind of weird unless absolutely no one noticed, but maybe that's all he wants to like, you know, Bill Murray's like, Hey, I did a Marvel, you know, a Marvel studios movie. I got to see what it's like. I don't really want to do it again. So maybe it would be that. And the last bit of news. I don't think I talked about this last week. Chris, freaking pratt is going to be the voice of garfield it's like why why 
I mean, maybe it's kind of fitting because Garfield's not my. Fa- I used to like Garfield. I had. I remember in middle school, I had like some Garfield books, like collected, you know, books. Chris Pratt. I mean, Chris Pratt is not who I hear or who I think of when I think of Garfield, and let alone Chris Pratt is not who I hear or think of when I when I think of Mario. Like what the heck is going on? And what is is this like some attack against Italians? I mean, I don't know if Garfield's Italian, but he loves lasagna, right? <laughs> and Mario, why Chris Pratt? I I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm kind of over Chris Pratt. Uh, you know, it's just I I used to like I used to think he was funny. You know, I used to just think he was entertaining. But it's like I had to stop following him on Instagram. You know, boo-hoo to him. I'm sure, you know, he misses my one little rinky-dink follow. But it, it's just, it, it just got too too much. And I was just like, eh. You know, yeah, I'm going to see the next Guardians of the Galaxy. But I just feel like, I don't know. And then there's a whole comment. You know, he, he did this post. It was, it was supposed to be, like, uh, uh, dedicated to his new wife. And, you know, he's so in love and she's giving him this healthy kid and all this stuff. But it was almost like such a big F you to Anna Ferris, which is just not cool. Because, you know, they they had they had a kid, kid was preemie. And I, I think, you know, it's a, so they, have, they have a special needs child. But it's almost like he's saying, oh, my new wife is, was able to give me a healthy child. But my other wife, you know, it's like that is just so not cool. And and, and his attempts at funny anyways garfield that's all that's it i, I don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> that's that's gonna be news for the week all right with comic books so i'm i'm, I'm trying i usually use previews to to go through okay i read these are these are the books i read it's currently i don't know if it is now but it wasn't working this morning so i'm gonna have to try to remember i know i didn't read anything at boom or idw but at image Crossover issue nine came out, and I realized, or I, I knew I didn't. I hadn't read issue eight, so I had to read eight and nine. And the the story, it, it's interesting because you know we we have you know characters from Powers in here, and we're seeing more of the story. And what's happening in crossover is like comic book characters came over into the real world. There's like this bubble, and there's kind of like this, you know, they're all fighting each other, and it's like trying to keep them contained versus real people and like you see like government like what is going on and who are these people and we're, we're finding out more of the story and and like what's going you know happening there's still references like the chip sadarsky uh episode issue and and that so it's i i i really like this comic and i, I think you know it's it's doing a great job bringing in different characters and kind of referencing, you know, slightly referencing other characters despite the fact that they can't use some of these characters. You know, like you can't they're they're doing a great job tiptoeing around the fact that like, you know, we haven't we don't have like Spider-Man or Batman or whatever, but you know, there there's ways that they're kind of doing that. And there's like so many other characters obviously that they they can use in that. So, you know, it's it does. It, it's working. It, it's a really interesting read. So I, I recommend you, you know, check pick up the first trade if you haven't or whatever because it's it's good. Um, good Asian issue six came out. I stopped. I really like the series, but I, I think the last issue I might have read was like four. I don't think I read five. I don't even know if I read four. I can't remember. But I need to get caught up on that. Uh, Magic Order Volume Two issue one came out. So I, I like this series. I 
kind of don't because of my crappy memory now. Uh, I don't remember how the last series ended, but you know we're we're here now. You know, magic is kind of being regulated. You know, it can't just be used. You know willy-nilly by people and, and we're seeing you know some of these different characters and you know some people are obviously those are in the stronger families you know they, they are still using some but you know there, there's some stuff coming up so it's it's a good series and you know it's mark miller so it's like anything that he writes i'll, I'll read so I'm, I'm enjoying that the me you love love in the dark uh it's, this this is kind of taking a turn so this is written by scotty young we have this artist her name i think her name is ro and she rents this like old like haunted house you know type you know this old house because she she needed a place just to go to work to just uh do a bunch of paintings she's supposed to have like an art show coming up so she has to have a bunch of pieces finished she's trying to get away from everything and it turned out the house is haunted and uh, then she starts actually talking to the spirit and she kind of forms like a relationship with this entity now it, it's to the point where the entity is very possessive and you know like she's like i'm gonna go out to the store pick up some you know they have kind of a little fight whatever and she's gonna leave and you know the entity can't and and then it make makes this big dinner for her she's like okay i'll just you know she was gonna get art supplies she's like i'll just order some uh, you know to have them delivered and 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 then her um art manager whatever comes because you know she's been kind of avoiding him and you know she already asked to delay you know the the show to push it back so he shows up and and the the thing is like get rid of him why is he here and all this stuff like that and he's like threatening and it's it's starting to get creepy i mean it was creepy before when when yeah they're like let's hook up and then now yeah so i don't know where this is gonna go uh radiant black issue nine so this is continuing. Uh, I guess we can talk about it now. We're in issue nine. So one of the main characters is like severely injured. They're been in a coma all this time. So we're we're kind of seeing this carry out and effects and you know what is uh, you know the radiant black character doing and, and everything like that. So it, it's kind of kind of interesting to, to see how this continues and and where things are going to go and like what he's trying to do and and uh, you know he he realizes because. Spoil. I don't want to spoil things, but you know a decision has to be made and everything. And then he kind of like, hey, wait a minute. He's like, maybe there is another solution. You know, where do these powers come from? Like, what is really going on here? And yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, but read the book. It's you know Kyle Higgins, so so it's good. Then uh, we have Silver Coin. So this um, was written by. Joshua Williamson, uh, Michael Walsh does the art and the colors and everything like that. This is about a video game, and it takes place. I think it was in the '80s. So you know, we have this kid at arcade, this little kid. You know, he's they're playing this like fighter game, and he's not very good. You know, there's this other jerky guy in the arcade, and he ends up finding he he takes a coin out of the fountain, which he's not supposed to. And it's an evil coin, and then it kind of ev- evolves from there, and, and things get horrid and uh so it was an interesting story my my main concern i i think i i wonder is this the same coin it's the silver coin you know so as as i read in the first couple issues i want to believe 
that this is the same coin that's in, involved in, through all the stories. That somehow it's it's ending up in all these different places. Question is, how is it getting to you know some of these different places? And and there was one point, I forgot what what issue it was, where it felt like this can't be the same coin, but you know maybe it was still. So yeah, you know, I would like to think that it's the same coin that's that's somehow going all over the place and just causing problems. But you know, if someone locks in their attic or whatever, you know, then how is someone else going to get it? You know, whatever. So we, it's a good story. Then there's actually like a, a second story that continues it. You know, references like previous um, stories as well. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm. I guess we have to assume it is the same coin, but. Uh, so either way, anyways, it's a g- great series. Um, Ram V's doing uh, the story for the next issue, and I just love th- what Michael Walsh is doing. You know, I, I just think it's brilliant. You know, bringing in all these different writers and just all these like self-contained stories, and it's just it, it's just really cool. So I highly, highly, highly recommend this series if if you like dark. And you know, I, I'm. I'm not a big fan of horror comics because I don't think the art and colors can capture the mood or essence of a creepy story. But Michael Walsh is doing that, and that's why I love this this, this series. Over at DC, we had Batman 116. So this continues the, the story with uh, we're we're still in Fear State. And you know, Batman is working with Miracle Molly. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out you know what is Scarecrow's plan. And you know, there's this device that can uh, you know control people's minds and just do horrible things and everything like that. And I have to say, this you know, Miracle Molly, when when she was first announced, I was like, this is like, like a strange character. It's like, you know, where where is this going to go? And I have to say, I I kind of I'm I'm liking this character more and more. You know, we we saw her origin. I think it was in an annual or something. So I'm I'm intrigued with where she could go. Not that I necessarily you know want her to be like in the Batcave and you know working with Batman all the time, but I I do think that she's an interesting enough character and um, she's a, a, a strong character on her own that you know she can carry. I don't know necessarily about it, about a, a, like a solo series or anything, but I'm really curious with this you know the the collective or whatever. That's not is it the collective? But um, I, I'm intrigued with what what's going to happen what you know what is dc going to do with her and uh you know so they're, they're just working with trying to sort through all this stuff and then there's a back of story with uh the clock tower and with the oracle hack and just just trying to deal with all this and then with the bat girls with cassandra and cassie cassie stephanie cassandra and stephanie you know trying to get out alive because this hacker put out a fake video of Cassandra killing people. So that's not good for her. And then we have um, Teen Titans Academy. I, I didn't like this issue. I, I was like struggling. I was like trying to force myself to, to try to read it or try to really skim through it. Cause then I was just like kind of flipping through. And the, the problem is it has nothing to do with, with the writing or the art. It's just these characters. It's like all these different characters. I just don't care about them. You know, they're all new characters. And I know, you know, you got to give new characters a a chance and everything. But I'm at the point now where, you know, I'm struggling to try to read all of these in a timely manner so I can, you know, talk about it. So it's it's like I don't want to read stuff that I don't care about. And I know, you know, there's certain stuff that 
I need to talk about just to keep up with it so I can talk to you guys about it. But yeah, so these characters is just no, I didn't really care about them. And, and they're not all like new characters. You know, some of them have been around a little bit, but I just don't care about them. And it doesn't mean that they're bad characters or anything, but they're just not of interest to me. So, I mean, when I think of Teen Titans, you know, you think of some of the big characters and these other characters deserve a shot to become big characters. But, but like, even like the last series, you know, where we had Damien, you know, even like when they put Crush and Roundhouse, you know, they were new characters, but they were interesting, you know, their designs and personalities and their interaction with the others. Cause you know, then you have Wally Wallace West and yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just interesting now that I think about like that, that incarnation in this one, where there was, you know, the Jin, Jin, whatever, you know, she was a new character. There's, a, a, we had a bunch of new characters, not a bunch, but maybe because they were mixed in with some other strong exist, pre-existing characters that made it interesting. And I like those new characters, but here are these characters. I'm just, yeah, they're not, not doing it for me. Then um, Crush and Lobo. And this... You know, I, I'm enjoying the series. You know, I, I I think Crush's whole trying to hunt down Lobo out in space because his double crossing, you know, thing, it just feels weird. One, I feel like, she, you know, and I know I've mentioned this before, but I feel like she's gotten taller here because I don't remember her being so tall in Teen Titans. I'd have to go back and, and read those issues. And then the other thing is, my recollection, and I could be totally wrong, but I seem to recall her being more like gr- grounded on Earth, like being like a regular teen who happens to have, you know, half cesarean blood in her system. You know, she knew she looked different and then she had these abilities that developed or whatever, but she didn't seem like so not necessarily worldly, but like, I mean, she's like, I'm just going to take a rocket. I'm going to steal this rocket. And I'm going to go out in space. Like it was nothing. Whereas before, I felt like she maybe never left her home state, and now she's like out in space, and so I don't know. But I mean, I'm I'm enjoying this this series. It's fun. Batman Reptilian issue five. I, I this 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 series it feels like it's getting weirder and weirder. So you know, there's just like this reptilian creature thing that's like hunting down. Kind of, I mean, it happened to be like most of them were like villains, you know, like street thugs or whatever, because there was this big meeting and it's almost like they were all targeted and they're just being massacred or attacked and eaten or whatever. And then there's this like connection to Killer Croc and, and you know, Batman's trying to say, yeah, you're its mother. And he's like, you need to, to breastfeed it. And he's like, I don't have those. And, and it's just weird because then Batman's kind of like making fun of, of Killer Croc and, and it's like, what is going on? I feel like it's, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's getting weirder and weirder and, and I don't, I, what is going on here? Um, Justice League Infinity Issue 5. There's a little bit of carryover from the last issue with Wonder Woman and this alternate reality, alternate universe, Dark Side. And, and then just continue. The main story about the whatever is, ha- you know, the, the people changing places with other versions, you know, that was kind of interesting. But now, you know, we're in issue five, and I feel like it's, it's like it's not really going too much. You know, last issue was interesting. You know, it, it felt like it was a little bit of a segue, you know, just, just focusing on Wonder Woman and Dark Side. But 
you know, it, when it started off with like Superman getting replaced by Red Sun Superman, where it's like, whoa, what's going on? And so I don't know, but we'll see. Superman seventy eight issue three. So Brainiac, you know, he came to Earth. He's like, there's a Kryptonian here. He should not be here. He's gonna, you know, corrupt the essence of Earth, and so uh, this planet needs to be erased. And then Superman's finally like, no, take me away, and I, you know, don't hurt them. And he's gonna do that. And then um, Lex is Lex Luthor gonna help? So, or is he gonna be happy that he's gone? There was a Batman Superman Authority special. I didn't read this. I should. Who's involved with this? Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. see. I was thinking this was uh, the Grant Morrison Authority. I don't know if it, it's tied to it. Following Mongol's brazen attack on Earth, Superman's world has been turned upside down. Conflict between Atlantis and the surface world, and discovery of immensely powerful new element. Dead Rift. Is this like a rep? This is like everything that's been going on recently. Dead Rift expulsion from the Justice League when Superman reforms the experimental anti-establishment authority. To join him in liberating War World, Batman comes to them with a request. Join him for one unorthodox off-the-books mission first, one he could never ask the Justice League to be part of, and one he doesn't expect everyone to come back from. Okay, so I'm going to get that. I have to read that later. I Yeah, I was think, thinking it was uh, the Grant Morrison Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison book, which has you know gorgeous Mikhail Janin art. But I'm not a big Manchester Black fan, and it's yeah. So I haven't been. So I thought it was that. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel issue one. I was, um, you know, when this came out, I was like, I'm not really excited about this. You know, it's Tom Taylor, and you know, Tom Taylor is awesome. You know, all all his comics have been really cool, and, but they're kind of. I I don't know if they're billing it or people were saying. You know, they're saying like you know Justice League meets Game of Thrones, and I'm like eh, that that doesn't like make me get excited and you know then you're looking at it, it's like okay so this is obviously an elseworld story okay and you know it is there has to be a point you know what is it going to be worth reading you know investing this time to to see this this i think it's a 12-part series it is interesting it is good it's um you know it's tom taylor of course and then uh, yasmin putri's art is great and I think while it starts off kind of what you would expect, you know, there's like the familiar elements of here's these characters and then it's a it's an Elseworld story. But I think there's some different changes enough that, that does keep it interesting. And, you know, seeing like what Batman's doing here and, and who is like the enemy that, you know. Oh, there's also there's like on the first few pages, I don't think. Yeah, they don't reveal in the preview pages, but it's almost like on page four, there's like a what <laughs> so um yeah so that's that's interesting there you know i'm looking on so i'm on the comiXology app which i really miss the dc app uh when was the justice league and the, the vampires was that last week did i already talk about that i feel, don't remember i feel like see i so again i i sometimes get to read comics early or you know sometimes i mean i get get to read comics early from some publishers so then I start to forget. It's like, okay, did I read this this week or was this last week? And so that's why sometimes I'm like, wait, what happened to this issue? Because it, it feels like it was like a week ago when I read it uh, or, or longer. And then, you know, then reading other books for the coming week. And so it, I just, my mind gets jumbled. Anyways, if I didn't talk about that, I think I did talk about that. I, I really like that, the vampire. I don't even remember what it's called now because it's not showing up here and I don't want to search. 
but um, Otto Schmidt's art is great. So if, if I already talked about it, I'm just saying again, Otto Schmidt's art is is great. So I, I love his stuff. Just like look, check out his Twitter. Uh, it's I think it's Otto Schmidt seventy two. Uh, he's he's constantly posting like sometimes he'll do like new sketches or like old like he'll reply you know someone's like like oh I love your black canary or something like that and then he like posts a new one and he's like like bam 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 like so he just like cranks some of his stuff out and it's just there's something about it like just it's art and a color I mean he he will post some like like pencil like black and white like stuff but the, the, there's it's just really cool. Um, speaking of really cool art, uh, Human Target issue one. So I think I mentioned this. Uh, before because you know I, so i got to read this really early i should have written a review but i'm just exhausted all the time and my time is just stupidly stretched um so i so i was surprised by this when i was like i, I think I, I mentioned this the human target i'm like i don't really care about this character i have no attachment i'm not excited that there's gonna be a human target series it's like okay cool but and then my big fear is like okay it's tom king He's going to take this kind of obscure character, not necessarily obscure, but a character that a lot of people aren't passionate about like right now. So he can do whatever he wants. And maybe that's what he's doing because he's dying. I think it says that. That's not a... Yeah, he's left to solve his own murder as he has 12 days to discover just who in a DCU hated Lex Luthor enough to want him dead. So he's... um. He, he's hired to... you know, Human target, he disguises himself as his client you know when someone's trying to kill him they're like kind of like a bodyguard or just, just try to figure out you know what, what's going on so someone's like after he he takes a job to protect lex luther of all people and then someone tries to assassinate lex and he's gets involved like he gets in a way to save lex now he's gonna die so we we have all that I don't know if that's a, a great description. It makes it sound interesting. It is interesting, you know, I have to say. And um, what really sells it for me is is Greg Smallwood. I love his art and color. So, you know, like his, his stuff on Moon Knight was just phenomenal. So that alone, I mean, just getting this this issue for his art is, is worth it alone. Because, I mean, it's just really cool. So you should check that out. Um, one thing that I haven't been reading, and I, I feel I feel bad that I haven't, but is uh, Joker presents a puzzle box. So it's at issue eleven. This, I mean, it's only twelve pages. It's like a short series. So when did the first issue came out? Because it kind of snuck out of, out of nowhere. And issue one, okay, there's issue one director's cut came out July sixth. So eighteen pages. Issue two, seventeen. So. I somehow missed this when I was like, oh, this is another. I, I was thinking, like, is this just a Joker reprint or whatever, you know, some other story. And then, and then I didn't realize Matthew Rosenberg was involved with it. So I should probably check that out. Part of the problem was I am so done with the Joker. You know, I'll read the main Joker or the current Joker series because it's James Tynan, the fourth, writing it. But I was just, like, so tired of the Joker. And um, so I, I just didn't read that. And then I didn't realize it was Matthew Rosenberg. So... I need to check that out. Okay, then um, I just opened the Marvel app, and I realized I thought I read all the Marvel books, but um, what's queued up is X-Men Legends issue 8. So I didn't read that. Um, this was by Larry Hama. I'll just start with this. Larry Hama and Billy Tan. I didn't love the last issue, uh, despite the creative team. And, and maybe part of it is because Omega Red 
is, is in it, and I, I'm not a big Omega Red fan. I'm not a fan of a lot of characters, it turns out. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot. But I didn't read that. I will read that. But yeah. Um, the other one I didn't read is Winter Guard, issue three. I like the first issue. I didn't get around to reading the second one. And see, there's this like pattern you'll notice because I'm reading the comics usually in order. So like, you know, X-Men Legends is the last issue. Winter Guard starts with a W, so it's towards the end. So I still haven't read issue two, which I have to read that. So I can't speak on what happened there. Amazing Fantasy issue four came out. I'm, I'm intrigued with this. I I think I started reading the first issue and I, I didn't really care. It was just, it was kind of weird. Uh, so looking at this one, issue four, uh, part of my problem is like, is this Elseworlds, you know, do I want to invest my time in something that you know isn't going to have any impact anywhere? But it says teenage Spider-Man, World War II Captain America, and Spy School Black Widow fight to survive their amazing fantasy. So I'm trying to remember, like they're pulled out of different times, and okay, that that could be interesting. So maybe someday I'll go back and, and read those. I mean, it's Karari Andrews, and I remember I, I I think I did at least one podcast with him, one super massive podcast, and he was super cool. That was when he was doing Iron Fist. Was it the Mortal Iron? Fist? He was doing an Iron Iron Fist series, and that, I love that series. That was a great series. Um, so I sh- I feel like I should read it because he was he was cool. He I, I love the fact that he you know he was willing to take the time to talk to me on you know my my silly little solo podcast, which was less silly than this one maybe i don't know then we have dark hawk issue three so this is this has been a, a a good series uh it's kyle higgins so we have it's a new dark hawk uh you know we had this this character he had ms you know he was this on track to be like a really good basketball player you know he had a college scholarship happening and then you know his body starts not cooperating and then he comes across a Dark Hawk amulet, which is a different Dark Hawk amulet, and you know he doesn't know what's going on. His friend is involved with some shady dudes, and you know they they have this tech, and they're like kind of hustle people trying to steal other tech and stuff like that. So they end up confronting each other, and some things go down, and things don't go too well for his friend with his friend's boss or whatever. Like Dark Hawk's trying to you know figure out like what's going on, and and everything and um and then there's the other questions like how is being dark hawk going to affect is it going to have an effect on his body and you know the positive effect or negative effects like is it something like like well maybe he shouldn't be dark hawk because it's going to make things worse but then you know what about the sense of doing right and wrong and so there's some interesting things here death of dr strange uh avengers issue one i didn't love this um this story it, you know, we, we get this uh, kind of random story, like these juggernaut creatures, like monsters start attacking, you know, they're from the, the Sidorek or whatever, the, the Crimson Bands of whatever that that, that, Chris, that thing is called. Yeah, so it's just, I, I don't feel like it was crucial for the main story. You know, the, the fact that Doctor Strange is dead, and then like... His young, a younger, like emergency, like last bit, you know, ditch effort version of him, because he he gave up like I forget if it was like a week of his time. So if he gets killed, he can solve the crime before whatever. So I didn't I didn't really care for that that issue. Then uh, Star Wars issue eighteen. So this is a uh, Leia versus Korra. 
you know, after, so, or Kira, how do you say Kira, Kira? So after the, you know, she, Leia's not happy with her because she ended up taking Han's body in carbonite and was auctioning him off. And she's like, you know, you could have freed him. And, and she's like, I didn't want the Empire to have him. And, you know, there's a, you know, I have people working for me. And it was like kind of trapped or this and that. And she, um, it, it, so it's it, interesting. I, I love this connection to the solo movie. And I so want a sequel to that. You know, I, I would love to see more of her character in the Crimson Dawn and everything like that. So I, I kind of like that there could be a, the potential for more since we have this this bit of time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi where, you know, who knows what happened. I thought, like, <laughs> how long it took this hunt for Han's body. I thought it was just like Boba Fett's like, okay, I got Han Solo's body. Back to Tatooine to deliver him. But it's like, no, there's like so much. It took so much longer to get Han Han is now at Jabba's palace, so uh, that means you know Leia and Lando and Chewbacca, and they have to figure out another way. You know how how can they get there? And we know that obviously, <laughs> spoiler, they they are going to free him and all that. But also, you know, Leia has other obligations. She can't just you know spend all her time trying to free Han. You know, she needs to do other things as well. So it, it'll be cool to see like what happens in between. Star Wars uh, Bounty Hunters, so this is the Valance book, and I just, for some reason, I just don't like this character, and, you know, he, it, it's picking up, you know, again, pieces from the Ward of Bounty Hunter storyline, uh, but then here, Valance has, like, a big confrontation with Darth Vader, and uh, it even says here, a shocking twist that will leave the survivors' lives forever altered. That could have a big, big impact. And then there's uh, Strange Academy Presents the Death of Doctor Strange. What's going on here, because of Doctor Strange getting killed or dying, and there being no Sorcerer Supreme, things are kind of shaky with the, the state of magic, and the school isn't safe. Because, you know, they, they don't have, they can't put their protective spells up or whatever. You know, they're, they're kind of crumbling. And so they're like, okay, school is, has to be closed for, you know, temporarily so we're going to send you guys home because it's not safe here so everyone has to kind of go back and then there's like other things that that go on and um you can see on the cover that uh enchantress's kids yes she has kids something happens with with them as and and so forth and there's we see a couple of the other characters so i i I like this this see this this was a a good tie-in issue because i i felt like this was a bigger deal, you know, because it is tying into Strange Academy. And um, it is a little weird that it's not a regular Strange Academy issue, that it's Strange Academy Presents, but whatever. And uh, I, I think there are big enough consequences from the main story that affects this, that warrants this story to be told, for the most part, versus the other the Avengers one. I was just like, okay. Then I mentioned Winter Garden X-Men Legends. I didn't read those. So that is going to be it for this week's comics. Okay, then we have Why the Last Man, Season 1, Episode 10. So this is this is the last episode. Uh, hopefully it's just a season finale. <sighs> I haven't heard anything. I mean, we haven't heard that it's not getting picked up, but we haven't heard that it is. So hopefully someone makes a decision. Um yeah so with this uh victoria we get a flashback the browns are are having dinner at a restaurant york's talking about his act and he's he's talking about like elvis's 
dead twin brother or whatever and you know beth's there too um mom gets it's you can see that, that she's like kind of writing hero you know because she like went and had a cigarette she's like i thought you quit or something like that and then you know she's drinking she's like oh you know you should eat something you know and everything like that york's talking he's still talking about his acting he has like this box with chains and the chain's supposed to represent his family or something like that and then he's like talking about these things but then he doesn't have he doesn't really say anything about hero and she makes a joke. Then she's like, no, it's like, I don't want to, you know, be a chain that's holding you down or whatever. And so it's, there's this, it's really kind of awkward and everything like that. So you can see the difference with how they treat Yorick and how they treat Hero. And we'll, we'll see more throughout the episode. Like, it'll, it'll cut back. Uh, in the present, 355 is lying in the middle of the street, um, in the middle of the town, uh and then it's like her her trainer person, whatever, she's like, you know, she tells her to get up. But then there's this other lady, she's like, are you okay, whatever? So I think she, like, had a dream or whatever that, you know, this other lady told her, but she's really in a present. So then Roxanne uh, is wondering if this guy that, that they talked about is real. And she's riding with Nora, and, you know, they're talking about the um, freedoms of life now and everything like that. And then as, as they're going towards this town that's, or whatever that supposedly has electricity and has this dude, there's like a, a bunch of cars like blocking a path. So they're like, what's this all about? Uh, then we see um, man, Dr. Man, she's in a greenhouse with, with ampersand, 355 walks by. And, and then uh, man mentions some like animal species that are going to be dying out soon based on their life expectancy. And she sees that 355 is barefoot. So she knows she was sleepwalking again. And she suggests, she's like, you know, maybe I could, you know, help, you know, maybe tie you down to bed or something like that. She's like, oh, no, that sounds kind of weird. But 355 is like, I've, I've actually tried that. It turns out I can escape restraints in my sleep. She says, you know, one time she tied a sandbag to her arm. Then that worked, but, you know, doesn't really make things too convenient or whatever. So 355, she just wants to leave. And man says, well, York's going to be disappointed because, you know, he really likes it there. So then... um some ladies are watching and they, they see man in the greenhouse. So this must be like some of Roxanne's people. And, you know, they also see that they have electricity because they're like, they have a greenhouse and everything, but you know, they don't see uh, York or anyone. Sonia is talking to York about like having kids. And, you know, she asks uh, if he's slept with anyone since but all this started with, with Beth. And then he's like, well, what? and then she's like, wait, are you one of those guys who think sex is a big deal? Then she's like, how many have you slept with? And he's like, well, I haven't really counted yet, but one. And then 355 walks in, and she's like, we're leaving tomorrow. And so, you know, Sonia's not, probably not going to be happy about this. But then Roxanne and Nora hear from the ladies. They come back. They're, they're talking about, you know, taking over. They're um, all in, a, in this community center. So they, they must have gone back, which is like, wait, where were they at before? And then so they... There, there's like this pool there and everything like that. So the kids and some others are, are swimming. Then two ladies come in with shotguns yelling, like, this place is ours. Like, we are gone barely an hours, whatever. And then Hero starts walking up to them slowly and, uh, you know, suggesting they put their guns down. And she's like, and, you know, what, what's your names? And, you know, stuff like that. And then Hero's like, you know, we like it here. It's like, and, you know, they're having fun. And this other lady pulls a gun on a new arrivals and they're like, you know, maybe you guys should try a survivor's camp, you know, let the government take care of you. And they're like, there is no more government. She's like, the camps are disbanding. She's like, rioters stormed the Pentagon and killed the president. And Hero's like, that's BS, whatever. And they're like, they say she was shot in the head. And then Roxanne, she's like, well, you need to get. Hero kind of looks over at Nora because, you know, they both know, does this mean, you know, Jennifer was killed? So 
it wasn't Jennifer. It was Regina. Then we go back to the flashback. Beth is talking about like capitalism and stuff like that, even though, you know, whatever. Um, Jennifer's there. Their dad keeps like checking his phone and stuff like that. And Hero like notices she's still drinking, you know, wine, just drinking more. Beth talks about her Australia fellowship thing. So it's just more conversations. Then we see Jennifer is with Beth in a house. Beth's mentioned that, you know, she, she tried looking for dye. She couldn't find any in the house. She suggests that maybe Jennifer shave her head. And she's like, she asked her, like, what what is her her problem or something like that? You know, she was trying to fix things that Beth didn't even know about or existed or whatever. And Jennifer asks, she's like, what was your plan back there? And Beth just asked, she's like, you know, so they're, they're kind of trying to figure out, like, what is going on. And they're not, they're, like, really angry. They're not really angry, but they're, like, mad at each other because of being on opposite sides and just how everything turned out. But then um, Beth, she's just it's like, she's like, where's York? And Jennifer's like, you think I know? And then Beth's like, well, how do we find him? And Jennifer's like, you don't. And Beth says that she's like, well, you know, you won't survive out there without me. And she's like, you know, a lot has changed in the world since you locked yourself up in your little fortress. She's like, the world has changed. And she's like, you know, if you stay here, you know, they're going to find you and they'll probably kill you. And so York's talking as they pack about, about how, you know, his mom acts tough and wants everyone to see that. But then he's like, hey, I just realized, and he's talking to 355, he's like, you're like a super spy version of my mom. And she's like, uh, no, I'm not. And he's like, no, you are. He's like, she's like, I'm not your mother. He asked about her spy friends. He's like, you know, what What about the, the culprit ring? Is that what they're called or something like that? And, you know, she says that her handler was a man and she was kept separate from the others so they don't really know each other. Then York says, he's like, well, you know, we're safe here. We have everything we need. You know, maybe we should just stay, you know, at least until we can make contact with my mom. And 355 is like, we can't just stay because there's a pretty girl in town. And then man walks up and hears him talking. 355 says that the longer they stay, you know, more species are, are going to die. And, and she's like, you know, ask Allison. He asks her if he thinks, you know, Allison can really fix all of this. And, you know, he's like, she's smart, but come on. And he's like, you know, we could stay. Cause so they don't realize, you know, man walks up and she hears them like talking about it, you know, while they're saying this. So then she just like, then she comes up, she's like, they're throwing us a goodbye party. It was supposed to be a surprise, but she's, she's like, I don't want 355 to kill anyone. And then she just walks off. So they're like, Oh crap, did she hear any of that? And she did, but they're not sure. So more to flashback. The dad asked Hero if if she's thought more about going back to school. She's like, I did. It's like I became a paramedic. And York's like, Hero's dating someone. And she gets mad. She's like, dude. And he's like, Well, every time, you know, I, I may I don't know if he really knew. I think he just kind of assumed he because he's like, every time we ask you to hang out, you say you're busy. And then mom asks, she's like, Is it true? And she finally she's like, uh yeah then uh hero's like he's married and mom's like oh they're getting a divorce right and she's like no and she's like they're still going strong and she's like he's busy most nights his wife's having a baby then jennifer's like what are you doing she's like you have to end this and then hero asked dad he's like you want to back me up and he's like no your mother's right then she's like well who are you texting York suggests that, you know, she's like, well, you know, maybe you should drink some water. And Hero's like, dad is sleeping with his TA and I'm the a-hole. Then she asks her, her dad, she's like, why should I keep your secrets? You never back me up or defend me. And then when York tries talking to her, she asks him, she's like, and why don't you have my back for once in your effing life? So the mom's like, we should just get going. She's like, they know me here. So, you know, we don't have to wait for the check. She's like, you know, things are, are getting crazy at work. So I should really go. 
And then uh, as she gets up, she Jennifer whispers something in Hero's ear. We don't hear what it is. So that's the thing. We're not going to know ever, possibly. So it's dark. You know, um, Beth wanted to leave when it was dark outside. But then they hear a glass break and like someone's entering the house. So someone comes in. Beth tases the person and it's Sam. So they 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 met up. He tells them that he was with Hero and, uh, you know, that she needs Jennifer or whatever. He mentions a, a van around the corner and he's like, is that your van? And they're like, no. Then he's like, well, someone's watching the house then. So they're about to take off when like, choo, 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 like lights come on outside and the voice is like, you're surrounded. You need to, you know, come out with or come out, come with us. The women are still swimming at the, the rec center. Hero talks to Nora and Nora's like, you know, she's like, I vetted your mom when Campbell was considering her for, you know, vice president. They, they asked her if she had any skeletons or liabilities and Hero's like, what? She said me. She's like, well, you know. Or heroes like you know some guy grilled me for like nine hours and my brother he just got a thirty minute phone call and Nora's like who names her kid hero and she's like it's a lot to live up to and heroes like it's it's from Shakespeare and you know they, they talk about that whatever Nora mentions that she's like I changed my main my name when I left home it's like my mom gave me an old lady name and then Roxanne sees them talking she says stuff she's like oh we got a couple mourners here. And she's like, you know, oh, it's not Nora's fault. And Nora quietly tells her, she's like, don't talk to me like that. She starts cranking up the others. She's like, hey, I thought we were partying. So, you know, there's some, this tension going on between her and Roxanne. But, you know, it seemed like Roxanne was getting a little jealous because Nora and Hero were talking. And, you know, you know it seems like Roxanne kind of likes Hero because she sees this, like, potential toughness in her, whatever. Not potential, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. So there's a party at the woman's prison. 355 isn't there. Um, she tells man that she's tired man wonders um what if she can't fix this when they get to san francisco and 355 is like you probably can't they're sort of just laying in there uh, man offers to like lay with her just to, you know so she can get some rest or something like that um sonia talks to yorick about like where is he gonna go of course he tells her he says you know he's like there's a lab in san francisco and sonia's like well you know we'll we'll miss you and she goes on about some stuff, you know, hoping, you know, she's like, she's talking about time and she's like, hopes time wasn't linear. She's like, otherwise it'd just be her doing something bad and then whatever comes after. And she says, you know, she killed someone. She wishes she could, you know, tell him about it so he'd understand why. And he's like, it's like, no, oh, no, you know, it's like, I know you now, so it's okay. And she's like, you know, if time happened differently, you know, you could still miss your girlfriend and make new friends. And then he kisses her. So the women are, are sleeping by the pool at the rec center. Nora finds out Mac got her her period. And, you know, she's like, oh, you're a woman now or whatever. And, and then she's like, you know, I love you, right? She, Nora takes off her ring. She's like, we should get a chain for you. And she's like, no, you should have it, whatever. And she's like, well, you know, you're a woman now. You need to be brave and strong. And she's like, you know, you need to remember your, your father and your brother. And Max says, she's like, you sound like Roxanne. And then Nora's like, no. She's like, Roxanne sounds like me. So Kimberly is in one of the rooms at the Pentagon. And then Yorick's there. He's like, wait, what? They they start, he comes up behind her. I think his shirt was off. And they start going at it. And it's like, what? And then she wakes up. Obviously, you know, it was a dream. So she wakes up in a barn. Christine is next to her. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it, it's like weird. So Kimberly has this like, a strange like sex dream about Yorick 
And is it because is it because he's the only dude? And I think she just feels this need. She wants to be a mother again. So she just you know she wants to have a kid, and she doesn't care if it's your you know he's the only dude. So uh, so Christine is uh, is is next to Kimberly, and Kimberly's like, I know how to fix this. She's like, I know what to do. It's like our future. She's like, all we need is him. So you're just gonna have one dude that's gonna populate everyone and everyone's gonna be half related to him <laughs> york's lying in bed with sonia after so they they went at it uh 355 is still lying in bed with man in her arms with with allison uh and she so i you know i guess that helped her from sleepwalking the red cylinder thing she, she has another red cylinder thing i didn't realize she had more than one but it's by the windowsill it's like flashing and then she panics so i i totally miss what those things were for uh the amazons are coming down the street Roxanne is in the lead. She calls out to them. She's just like, wake the F up. And the lady comes out and she's like, who the F are you? And Roxanne says, you know, she's like, I heard you have a man in town. She's like, you know, by your look or whatever. It's like, you know, you, you know what to do or something like that. You know, cause she thinks that, you know, she's just not the threat or whatever. Us, another comes out behind her and like hits her in a calf with the butt of a shotgun. This uh, older lady comes out. I think it was that kind of like leader lady. She's like, you want to hurt someone? Hurt me. And Roxanne's like, who are you? President of PTA? And then uh, this other lady's kind of like looking around. And then she pulls a gun out and shoots a couple of times, like in the air. And then she's like, you have no idea who you're dealing with. So 355, here's a gun. She goes into Sonia's room and she's like, do you have a weapon? And you know she has a gun in her nightstand. Three fifty five is like whoever's out there. She's like they can't find him. And so Sonia says that you know she knew sooner or later people would come, so they're prepared. So you know they, they in the town they, they they have plans, contingency, whatever. So then now they're in the kitchen. The gunshots have reached them. You know shots are coming through the window. Man um, comes in with amp and, and the, the pet carrier. They tell three fifty five that there's a silo about a mile north of town, so you know they can meet up there. 355 tells York a man that she's like, go there. I'll, I'll catch up with you. And he turned, he's like, he's like, I'm not leaving you here. And she's like, yes, you are. She's like, go now. So ladies are yelling for to come out or they're coming in. So 355 comes out with her hands up and she's like using a scared voice. She's like, we're unarmed. She's like, we don't want any trouble. Please don't hurt us. And the trans transgender comes out behind her. You know, he has some facial hair and everything like that. They're like, holy poop. And, you know, so the ladies are happy because they're like, this must be the dude that, you know, they were talking about. Then uh, we see heroes on a horse at another part. Uh, she has a gun in her hand and then she hears something. The old lady still has her gun out. Roxanne says that, you know, they shouldn't die to protect some man. Nora's like looking around very cautiously. And, you know, more ladies are hiding. Uh, like one lady like looks to the rooftop and she's like, D-block, let's go. Nora yells to Roxanne to look out. Shooting starts up. Um, just like other lady on a horse falls off, you know, gets dragged and everything like that. 355 and the other, uh, the other, the dude um, are walking or being walked through the, the woods. They hear the shots. Then uh, 355, I don't know if she acts like she has a cramper in her leg or something. She cries out. She's like, please, please. And then she kicks the lady, she takes her shotgun, shoots at the horse's feet without shooting anyone. It causes the horse to rear up and throw off the other lady. She throws a gun to the dude, kicks the other lady in the face, and then they, they start running. The shooting in the street continues. There's a lot of ladies with guns. Nora's yelling for Mac. Um, Nora almost gets shot. Mac wants to help because like, one of her their friend Jody got shot or something like that. She's like, I can help. And she's like, no. She's like, I'm strong. So she dra drags her friend Jody like behind his picnic table. They overturn. 
Hero is writing after Yorick, Man, and Sonya. Hero shoots. Then Yorick calls out to Sonya. Hero and Yorick see each other. And then Hero gets shot and falls off the horse. Yorick yells at Sonya. It's like, stop. And then he has to like run and like knocks her down, you know, because she's about to shoot again. Then Hero, I think she was just like shot in the arm. And he asks her, he's like, you know, where have you been? And she's like, York, you're alive. And then they hug. It's like, how are you alive? So he's like, we look for you. And then she's like, mom is dead. She's like, they stormed the Pentagon. She tells him that she's like, you need to get out of here. And he's like, you know, where did you hear this? And she's like, you just have, you have to run. She's like, they're coming for you, like Amazons. And she's like, they're, they're going to kill you. And he's like, why? He's like, so the new world can be born. And then Sonia gets shot in the head. So there's this other Amazon, Nicole, and Hero raises her gun. She tells she's like, you need to run now or I will shoot. And then Yorick and Man start running. Nicole aims at them, and then Hero shoots Nicole in the side, but like like under the arm, so it like kind of goes through her chest, I guess, off to the side. The flashback continues. Yorick is outside with Beth saying how Hero is selfish. Um, he tells Beth the promise that when they have kids that they won't F them up like this. Sam comes up because they're supposed to go out for drinks. And Beth tells him, she's like, you know, just make sure Hero gets home. Hero, she tried calling out the Yorick, but, you know, he just goes off and gets in like a cab or something like that. Then she tells Sam, she's like, I made a mess. So 3.55 and a dude run to the streets. You know, lady throws a rifle to her. Nora sees Kelsey got shot in the legs. Looking at the others who are shot, Roxanne's still shooting. An Amazon starts leaning out the window to shoot the town shooter on a roof. 355 raises a rifle, headshot. Roxanne's like, hell no. She starts walking and, and shooting where 355 is. She's like behind this, like, this pole. And, and then she's out of ammo. So 355 raises her rifle at Roxanne. Nora comes out yelling. She's like, we surrender. And Roxanne's like, WTF are you doing? And she's like, she's like, give me that gun. And then the old lady tells 355, she's like, you can't shoot them after they surrender. So then the, the lady's yelling at everyone. She's like, hold your fire. Roxanne's mad. She's like, F you. She's like, F off. And you're just like, Nora. And she's like, you're a coward. And she like throws her empty gun at her. And she like storms off. But like <laughs> no one does anything. So it's just like, okay, you can go. Then, uh, you know, Nora's screaming in a room. She's smashing stuff. So they're back at the rec center. Hero um, comes in and Nora sees that she's shot. And then Hero's like, my brother's alive. She's like, I don't know how. She's like, no one else knows. So Roxanne is yelling that they're supposed to be warriors, that Roxanne's calling them cowards. Then she sees Nora and she's like, and she calls her a coward. And Nora's like, enough. She's like, it was a suicide mission. She's like, you know, we lost our friends. And Roxanne's like, their friends died heroes. And Nora says to tell them, she's like, why don't you tell them who you really are? And Roxanne's like, they know who I am. And Nora's like, she's like, I've known men like you. You use shame, humiliation, and then compliments. She's like, every man I worked for you know, did this. And then when Roxanne says her name, Nora's like, that's not my name. She's like, my mom named me Victoria. She's like, I hated and I hated her. She's like, I changed my name. I got married, had kids. I worked for the effing president. She's like, it doesn't work. She's like, the real you is a shadow. It's always there. And Roxanne tells Athena and Hero, she's like, why don't you escort this bitch out of my face? And Nora says that that she wants to change them until they're exactly what she wants them to be. She's like, does any of that sound familiar? And then Nora pulls out a gun. And Roxanne's like, you don't have the gun. And Roxanne falls back into the pool. A bunch of blood starts pooling out. Some of the other ladies pull their guns out at Nora, and they don't know what to do. 
And Nora's like, or Victoria, she's like, we don't have to reinvent ourselves. We don't serve Roxanne. We don't belong to anyone. This world will learn to fear us because we'll show them exactly who we are. And Hero walks up to her and like stands by her side. So 355 runs at a silo. Man comes out and like hugs her. And 355 is about to go in, but Man stops her. York's sitting inside alone. So Man tells York, or tells 355 what happened to his mom. So she comes in and she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, my sister's brainwashed and my mother's dead. And he's like kind of sobbing, which is weird. It's like, why would he think his sister's brainwashed? And she didn't really act that. I mean, she said run or she'll shoot. But he says, that you know, that the, he's like the Pentagon. He's like, everywhere I go, everything I touch, you know, Sonia, he's like, I, I should have died. He's like, none of this would have happened. And 355 is like, you want to know something about me? It's like, when I was growing up, my grandmother lived with us. She was a musician. She was a singer. And so, you know, she's sitting next to York on the floor. She's like, you know, one night when I was 12, she took me to a club. So my parents come home. We aren't there. And when they finally find us, my dad's like screaming at her, you know? And he's like, what's wrong with you? You know, what were you thinking? So we pile in a minivan. Everyone's angry. She's like, especially me, because, you know, that was the best night of my life. And then we're half mile from home. A drunk driver jumps the lane. My dad swerves, hits a tree going 60 mile an hour. Suddenly I'm alone. It's like everybody's angry and then they were gone. And she's like, I should have died, but I didn't. I survived. You will too. So then she says again, you know, she's sorry about his mother. And she's like, you're free to go if you want. He's like, what? She's like, I take my orders from the president. If she's dead, then, you know, we can give this up. You can go live your life. Find Beth. Man's like, but, but, and 355 stops her. And York's like, I don't want to be a liability anymore or a pawn, or I don't want to be a Y chromosome with legs. He's like, if we do this, he's like, I can't be helpless. He's like, you have to teach me. He's like, I'm a quick learner. Then she's like, okay, prove it. Then we see uh, Jennifer, Sam, and Beth. They're like sitting in this room. And Beth asked Sam if he saw anything, you know, how long were they moving? And, you know, she's like a couple hours. Uh, Jennifer's like, shushes him. She's like, we're being watched. There's this camera in the corner. And there's a lady at the monitors, and uh, this other comes in. She's like, do you want me to go in there? And she's like, no, not right now. So I wasn't sure if it's, it's 355's trainer that w- was there. So 355's looking at her cylinder thing. Uh, man asks, they you know, they find his car, and she's like, man's like, whose car is this? And 355's like, it's ours, I think. So it's like in the middle of the woods. And there's like a flashing cylinder thing on a dashboard, uh, and there's this envelope. When 355 puts her cylinder next to the other, the light turns from red to green. So she's, she's like, the, the car has a full tank of gas. Man um, looks in the back. There's refrigerated storage, vials for blood samples, sterilization equipment, uh, needles. York's like, how do they know? And 355's like, they're watching us. In the envelope are coordinates in the map. She's like, they want us to come in. As they drive, man asks if she asks if the culprit ring is like her family. And then 355 doesn't answer. And that is where it ends. So, oh, man, I hope we get more. So I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a good, uh, you know, a lot happens that last last episode. I mean, things get, get pretty intense. Um, but, yeah, I hope it's just not a, a cliffhanger and just stays like this forever. So someone needs to pick it up. With Chucky, Season 1, Episode 4, Just Let Go, there's – Sirens and vehicles outside the house, you know, from the from the fire at uh, Lexi's place. 
Jake's walking outside. Um, he, he goes to a hospital. Um, he, he goes inside, just goes upstairs. Oliver's parents like hear the news, you know, but he's, they start crying. Jake sees a bunch of kids. You know, he goes into this other room. It's so weird. Cause I could have sworn he went up. I don't know if he went upstairs, but there's a bunch of kids getting bandaged and they just kind of like look at him. Then he goes to another room. Junior's in there with his parents, but he can't like bring himself to go inside. Cause you know, he feels like it's his fault because of Chucky. Then he sees Devin in another room, and then they, they both smile, and he, like, waves to him, but then he keeps going. Lexi's sister's in ICU, and then Lexi comes up behind him, and she says, she's like, Chucky did it. She asks if he killed his dad, too, and he nods, and she's like, oh, poop. She's like, I mean, F. She's like, how? And he's like, I don't know. And she, it's like, she asked, when did he find out? And he's like, the talent show. And she's like, that was him talking, for real talking? And she's like, what a dick. And Jake's like, well, where is he? And she says uh, the last time she saw him was standing in a room in a fire when he tried to kill her. And Jake's like, you didn't see him die? And he's like, he's going to keep coming after you again. And she's like, why? She's like, why is your doll coming after me? And he's like, because I told him to. And she starts getting upset, which, you know, good reason. Uh, So, you know, he gave her the doll to bring into her house. She's like, did you tell it to kill me? And she's like, you're such a freak. And then he's like, you know, you, you can't tell anyone about him. She's like, watch me. And Jake's like, anyone who talked about Chucky was put away or worse, mostly worse. She's like, so it's just us. He's like, I know you're pissed at me, but you're still alive. And she's like, well, Oliver isn't. And she's like, he died in a fire, a fire that wouldn't have happened if you didn't send that thing after me. She says, you know, maybe she's still alive, but it's his fault that anyone died at the party. And she's just telling us, just get away from me. So then Jake's just sitting in a hall alone. You know, he doesn't know where to go or who to talk to or whatever. Devin's mom's in his room. He says that he's okay. He, he's sorry to make her worry. He asks if she talked to Oliver's parents. And then, she, you know, she's like, yeah, whatever. Then she asks who else was at the party. And he's like the usuals. And then she was like, was Jake there? And he's like, no. And she asks, well, what about Jake's doll? He's like, Chucky? He's like, yeah. And she's like, well, how did it get there? He's like, uh, I, I think Jake gave it to Lexi's sister or something. And she's like, well, why would he do that? And Devin's like, I don't know, because he's nice. And she's like, are you sure he wasn't there? And then she tells him, and she's like, Oliver didn't die in a fire. Someone killed him. So Lexi's sitting in her sister's room. The parents are there. You know, nurses want, they want some, some room to check her oxygen gel levels or something like that. So they're like, you know, can you give us a moment? They haven't eaten. So they, they just walk by Lexi in the room and she goes out after them. And then she's like, is Caroline going to be okay? And mom turns around. She's like, suddenly you care about your sister's well-being? She's like, that's funny. And her mom asks her, she's like, you realize what you've done? Your sister's in ICU. A boy is dead. She's like, our house, which was a historic landmark owned by the city, is partially ruined all because you decided to have a party and start a fire. She's like, it's not my fault. She's like, Jake. And mom's like, Jake wasn't even there. She's like, haven't you tortured a poor boy long enough? You see, like, a shadow walk by. So it's like, is Chucky at the hospital now? Did he did he somehow walk all the way over there? So Jake's still sitting in a chair out in the hall. A pink soccer ball rolls up to his feet. And so it's like, okay, is this Chucky? But then this lady comes for it. Devin uh, walks up to him. He's like, uh, he asks how Junior's doing. Jake says that he thinks he's okay. And Jake's like, how are you? And he's like, no permanent damage, but I'll be stuck with a sexy smoker's voice for a while. Then Jake says, he's like, I'm sorry for everything. He's like, it must have been scary. And Devin's like, you know, I was bummed at first, but I'm glad you're safe. 
And then he tells Jake that no one's supposed to know, but Oliver was stabbed to death. His, you know, his mom just told him. And Jake's like, do they know who did it? And Devin's like, no clue. You know, it could have been an intruder. It could have been a kid at the party. Either way, there's a killer out there now in Hackensack. His mom, he says that his mom also asked about his doll. He doesn't know why she asked. He says that she has ideas about him and, you know, she doesn't know Jake the way he does. So he's like, you know, be careful out there. Junior's parents are in the waiting area. Um, Bree says, she's like, imagine getting a call like Oliver's parents did. And she's like, you know, really puts things in perspective. The dad's just like, he's like not saying anything. He just gets angry, like when the coffee machine doesn't give him his coffee. Lexi's parents walk by and they're like, hello, friends. And Bree's like, how's Caroline doing? And she's like, she's fine, but they're keeping her on a ventilator for now. Then Lexi's mom awkwardly asks, how's Junior? And Bree's like, he's okay. And Dad's like, he's not okay. He can't run for at least a month because of possible damage to his lung. And Bree tries calming him down. Lexi's mom's like, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. It was a tragic accident. And he's like, but it wasn't an accident. He's like, you let Lexi have free reign to do whatever the heck she wants. And then Devin's mom's like kind of listening. You know, she like comes in a waiting area and, and hears this. Things start getting um, heated. So then Devin's mom comes in and Lexi's mom's like, she's like, no one knew where their kids were, but I'm the bad parent. And, you know, then she's like, you know, Junior's been under a lot of pressure, so he could be acting out. Then she mentions Devin's podcast. She's like, so that's kind of disturbing. She's like, a kid shouldn't be that obsessed with crime. And she's like, well, hey. And then, uh, you know, the dad's like, Junior's dad's like, you know, she's blaming everyone except herself. He gets closer, and then Lexi's dad comes forward. And, and Junior's dad's like, oh, look who finally, you know, showed up. Because, you know, he's like, Mr. Quiet doesn't do anything or say anything. He says, uh, you know, to be a stay-at-home dad, you need to know what your kid is up to. He says something back to him, and then Junior's dad just, like, punches him. So Lexi's mom's like, he's like, arrest him. And, like, so, and then he's like, well, I want her arrested, too. And Devin's mom's like, mentions Oliver's death has been ruled a homicide. She's like, you know, she'll need them and her kids to be available for questioning. So it's like, you know, knock it off. Jake is dozing off in the hall, and then Lexi, like, wakes him up, like, kicks his foot. And he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, a psycho kid sent his ginger doll after me to murder me. And he's like, oh, so you're here to yell at me some more? And she just kind of thinks about it. She's like, no. She says that you know she doesn't really want to spend the rest of her life being scared of getting killed by a toy. And since no one else would believe her, she's stuck with him. So she's like, what do we do? And he's like, well, maybe we should go back to your house and see if he's still there. And she's like, fine. It's not like my parents would realize I was gone anyways. So they get to the house. There's police tape and stuff like that. And there's like an officer walking outside with a flashlight. Jake tells her to wait. The officer goes by and then they're like, ready? So then they, they go under the police tape. They turn on their flashlights and start walking towards the house. It's like they're waving their lights as they're, they're walking. So it's like someone's going to see this, this officer. I mean, how do you know there's not more than one? Then uh, Junior's parents are talking to him about getting a, a bronchoscopy. What a procedure! They're, they're going to stick a camera down his throat to check his lungs. But the dad's like, "Do you like cross country?" And Junior gives us a, a slight pause. What? He's like, "You're not just doing it because I want you to." And Junior's like, "No." And he's like, "I I want to hear it." Then and Junior's like, "I love cross country." And Dad's like, "Yeah." So I thought he's like, "I'm gonna do whatever I can to get you back running." So they start the procedure, they drug him. And then, like, we got the beat by the go-go's start playing. And he's, like, starting to, you know, doze out. You know, the, the drug's starting to knock him out. And you see, like, a little kid walk by in the hall. It's like, is that Chucky or is that someone else? Devin 
is like searching uh he's like looking at his phone like chucky good guy doll homicide and a bunch of results come out like good guy doll names which good guy doll are you good guy dolls for sale good guy doll turns bad um known accomplice tiffany valentine because she's supposed to be on the show at some point and then there's a, a news article escaped harrogate psychiatrist hospital like from the last movie the 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 girl i forgot what her name she it was actually Brad Dorf's daughter, the, the the actress. So she escaped. So it's it's kind of cool that they're they're tying into the last movie, even though which I I didn't realize, Lexi's dad was uh, he, the actor was the doctor in the Cult of Chucky, even though they're different characters. So, anyways, um, there's another art uh, the search urban legend Charles Lee Ray and Chucky. So Devin reads the article. After the murder of his parents, he was placed at the Burlington County home for wayward boys. So we get a flashback to 1972. We see um, Charles is a teen now. He's reading Peter Pan to three boys. He has a run-in with a janitor, you know, who's mopping the floor, and he like yells at him and calls him an idiot or whatever because you know he's dirtied up his floor that he just mopped. Later, he takes the po- the, the kids out. And they're playing Peter Pan. They're off to get Captain Hook. And they come across, they're out in the woods, and then the janitor's body is dead. Slow is, thr- is slashed. There's like maggots crawling. His hand's missing, and there's like a hook jabbed in there. And he's like, Look, it's Captain Hook. We got him. Two of the kids like run off screaming, but one s- stays behind, and he's like kind of like poking at it. And Charles is like, You got guts, kid. So that's just like what the killer that said to him when he was little. At Lexi's house, um, it's like they're shining the light like all over you know there's everything's like kind of singed and all that uh jake pops a pill and she's like is that for anxiety or depression he's like both so then uh, they grab some weapons like you know like uh, like a fire poker and like a stick or something like that they go upstairs and as they're going up she's like looking pictures of the wall he's like are you okay and she's like stop asking me that he's like well i'm trying to be nice and she's like, well, you aren't. She's like, all this happened because of you. She's like, are you happy now? And there's like a tear like going down her cheek. He's like, no, I'm not happy. He's like, I can't remember the last time it was. And then she's like, yeah, same. And then she asks if, she's like, did you really want me to die? He's like, did it really get that bad? And he thinks about it. He's like, yeah. Then she's like, why don't you just say something? And he says, he didn't think it'd make a difference. And she's like, you know, I'm not a mind reader. And Jake says, well, usually when you treat people like poop, they get upset. And she's like, you didn't just get upset. You wanted to kill me. And he's like, well, I didn't know what else to do. So you went straight to murder? <laughs> he's He says that, you know, she, you dressed up as my dead dad in front of everyone. And she's like, still, there must have been something wrong with you to want to kill someone. And he says, he's like, well, I didn't want to kill someone. He's like, I want to kill you. And he's like, because you're a bad person. You treat everyone like crap. He's like, I wanted you dead because you effing deserve it. And, you know, she's getting freaked. And she's like, steps back backwards. And then she goes through the, the landing railing. Jake reaches out and grabs her hand. And then Chucky's there. He's downstairs. He starts laughing. Half his face is melted. So he's kind of like two-faced. He's like, it's the easiest thing in the world, Jake. Just let go. He's like, it's not a coincidence. Like, you're at a crossroads. You're getting a second chance. Chucky just you know keeps going on and on. And finally, he's like, I'm not like you, Chucky. I'm not a killer. He tries pulling her up, and Chucky's like, fine, I'll do it myself. So he pulls out a knife. He's, like, trying to, like, <laughs> slash at her. She's hanging. So it's like she was not really that high then. You know, he could just he, he could just let her go. If Chucky can almost slash at her ankles, and Chucky's, like, barely three feet tall or whatever, 
So it was just kind of funny. A detective comes in. Just I, I, he, he Jake pulls her up. He's like, "Is anyone in here?" And Lexi calls out. You know, so instead of hiding, she just like admit. She's he's like, "You're not supposed to be here." And she's like, "I live here." He's like, "Not now, you don't." He's like, "It'll take weeks to clean this place up." And he, um, Chucky's like s- sitting on the floor now. She's like, "Is this your sister's doll?" He's like, "Your dad asked me to to you know bring it back to her." And he's like looking at it, how it's like ugly. They they're like, no, 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 don't take it. It'll just f you up. But he like walks off and leaving them there. And he's like, he doesn't wait till they leave or anything. I was like, is he just gonna take off and leave them? But no, he does wait outside. Because then we see him in a police car. They're in the back at the hospital. Melted Chucky was like sitting in a front seat, but he makes them go in the back. He's gonna he leaves them there while he goes inside. So I don't know. If it's it's what he thinks they're trespassing even though he's gonna go talk to her dad but i guess he i don't know he doesn't necessarily know if it's is she's who she says he is she is so they're left in a car but then devin's mom opens the door they go to run inside and she stops jake she's like i want to have a word with you in private so he tells lexi he's just like go go get him and then she thanks him for not letting go and then Devin's mom grabs Jake's arm kind of roughly, like she's, you know, pulling, you know, guiding him inside. Um, the detective stops for some candy at a vending machine. And it looks like, you know, this machine doesn't work either. He just put Chucky on a chair next to the machine. And then he he tries, like, reaching in. He's like, this will be our secret. Um, Lexi walks by, you know, doesn't see him there. She makes it to her sister's room, and her parents are sleeping in a chair. She, like, looks around, look, looks under the bed, and, and uh, he's see if he's anywhere there. And then it's like Chucky runs by in the hall, but she's like barely sees something out of the corner of her eye. So she goes to look, and then someone grabs her from behind. It's, it's Devin. He scares her. And he's like, have you seen Jake? And she's like, he, he's with your mom. And he's like, oh, poop. <laughs> and she's like, what is it? And he's like, he, he, she wants to talk to him about his doll. And she's like, what? And he's like, it sounds crazy. She's like, tell me. He's like, let's go back to my room. We can talk there. And then as they're going, there's a mom and a kid in a chair. So the, the little little kid, little baby, it's like, wait, is he wearing a good guy outfit? It's like, I, I think they would have, like, canceled that when all these killings started, but apparently not. Uh, the detective's still at the vending machine. He gives up. So Chucky's was there. So it might have been the little kid that was running around that we've been seeing that maybe Junior saw. So he takes Chucky to Caroline, you know, they're sleeping, puts him on a counter. So I say, wait, at this point, our... The parents still there? They must not be in there for like what happens next. Uh, he like eats some donuts. He's like sprinkling pow- powder like all over Chucky, and then he grabs a cookie. Sees a box of brownies on a nightstand. He's just like helping himself to all, all the stuff that was brought to Caroline. And then Chucky grabs a scalpel and he <laughs> he throws it with enough force and accuracy. It hits the detective's spine. He falls back. Oh, this is nasty! And it goes chunk. He lands on it. I didn't mean that to be so loud. He lands on the scalpel, so it just goes deeper into him. And then he's like, I can't move. And Chucky's like, that's because I hit you in the spinal cord. So it's like, oh, my gosh, Chucky, you are such, you're like bullseye. You're such an amazing shot. Then he grabs some used needles from, like, the disposal bin thing. <laughs> and he's like, you might feel a little prick. He jabs him in the chest. And he grabs another handful. And he keeps stabbing, like, over and over again. And there's, like, nurses out in the hall, but they can't see or hear. Uh, but this, the thing is, the, the detective, he sees this, like, talking Chucky. And he's, like, got stabbed. He can't move. He doesn't, like, freak out or anything. He's just like, I can't move. 
okay. It's like, okay. Suddenly, like, blood. <laughs> this was weird. Suds, blood starts pouring out of his ears, his nose, his eyes, and his, like, fingertips. Just because he was jabbed with these. I don't understand what happened. Chucky just, like, laughs. He's like, God, I love hospitals. So then there's a, a flashback at the the home for boys as cops talking to like the matron later, whatever Charles wakes up one of the kids and gives him a gift in a box and he makes him promise not to say anything. So he opens it. It's like the severed hand of the janitor. So, and then we see Charles packed up his stuff. The kid puts a box under his bed and the lady's like, what are you doing up? And it sounds like she's uh, the closed captioning said, Andy Caputo, go back to sleep. But I think it's supposed to be Eddie Caputo. Because Eddie Caputo, I had to look this up. Eddie Caputo was a, a partner of Charles Lee Ray in the first movie. So when they were, you know, whatever. So this must have been him as a kid. Uh, in the present, Devin mentions Charles Lee Ray. Lexi's like, who's that? And he's like, don't you know? Has he ever heard? So he starts in about his, his history, urban legend, about the good guy doll. You know, of course, Lexi, you know, doesn't know because she only cares about herself. So supposedly he transferred his soul into a good guy doll. And she's like, it's not a legend. Chucky's alive. And, you know, he's not just alive. He's trying to kill him. So Devin's mom talks to Jake, asks if he sees her problem. And, you know, he doesn't even have an alibi. And she asks about Oliver. She's like, was he bullying you? And he's like, no. She says she can actually help him, but only if he starts telling the truth. She's like, what do you know about Oliver's death? And then, then she's like, well, what about your father? Was he hitting you? Did, you know, did you need Oliver to stop bullying you? He's like, I didn't do anything. And she asked, then who did? She's like, it all comes back to you. And, you know, she's like, you know, tell me. She's like, he's about to say something. He's like, like, he's like struggling or whatever. And then uh, Chucky unplugs the ventilator in Caroline's room. Alarm goes off, like, all over the hospital, apparently. Jake runs there. They all go in there, and a nurse looks down and sees the, the machines unplugged. So she plugs it back in, but then blood starts pouring by her feet under the bed. And then they look, and they see the dead detective on the other side of the bed. Devin's mom, like, sees him, too. And then Jake sees melted Chucky on the counter. And he, like, motions the, the Lexi, and Devin's right, right there, too. And then Chucky just, like, flips, double flips him off. Which is weird that, you know, Chucky would do this. Obviously, he has no problem revealing himself to Lexi. But he just revealed himself to Devin as well. I guess he doesn't care about that, but it's just Chucky flipping them off. So that's where it ends. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's silly, but that's what it's supposed to be. So there we go. Someone else died. So like someone's dying every episode. So who's going to be next? So it's like I said at the beginning, it's, it's not a perfect show, but I, it's, it's entertaining enough. And you know, it is Chucky, you know, it, it has his essence. It might be toned down a little bit, but, it's, it's fine. So I, I'm enjoying this. Uh, Star Girls, season two, episode 13, summer school, chapter 13. So this is the season finale. So there's like an eclipse in the town. A little creepy kid, Eclipso, asks Beth and McKnighter if they're afraid. They should be very afraid. Beth's like, our friend, you know, again, this is like from last week. She's like, our friends are coming. And he's like, I already said that that's what I wanted. He's like, he says he has the power of darkness and it's growing thanks to them. He, uh, he still needs the power of light. McKnighter asks, uh, you know, what does he need it for or whatever. And he says that he should be more concerned with the people who were there or something like that. Then Beth's like, where's my dad? And he mentions that her mom was there too. They've both been concerned with their sick daughter. Then she sees them in the other room and there's like a 
and it's like, is it an image of them? Because it's, it's like Beth Zerinder, like talking to her or whatever. Jenny is uh, still dreaming. We see, again, just like from last week, evil Courtney. And then she wakes up and screams. Barbara comes in. She's like, I had some kind of vision, which I didn't know she had that kind of power. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know why, but we have to stop Courtney from going after Eclipso. And she's like, if, if that's what he wants and what he needs or, or something like that. And Barbara's like, they've already gone. So Stargirl, Pat, Yolanda, and Cindy are walking down the middle of the street in costume, except for Pat, obviously, because he doesn't have one. Uh, there's no one else around. It's like, where is everyone? Uh, their, their phones are out. Cindy's like, well, what about uh, you know Pat's giant robot? And Courtney's like, well, it's it's out of commission thanks to you. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then there's like this rip in the sky. kind of like opens up. So like something's happening. Rick is looking at one of the journals, so he's at the garage, like in the upstairs part. He's trying to fix the hourglass still. He gets this little zap. He gets mad and just like, wipes it all off the table, which I hate when people do that because it's like you're making things worse. Mike and Jakeem are downstairs, and um, Jakeem sees Stripe, and Zeke's still trying to fix, you know, work on him, whatever. And Zeke's like, if I could only get my hands on, you know, this one certain engine part or whatever, he, he's like, I can't do anything about it. So they arrive, they're face to face with Creepy Kid. Courtney tells Pat to find Beth. Courtney does this like big jump and like swings at him, but he disappears to the other side of the big giant conference table. Yolanda jumps up on a table with her claws out, and the kid's like, You're not being very nice. A phantom wildcat grabs her, throws her across the room. Creepy Kid comes um, in with little girl Cindy. He's like, This is my new friend. And she's like, Hi. And then Courtney tries blasting at him. He disappears. So they're like just trashing this place like during this fight. Yolanda gets up. She's about to face Wildcat. Pat knocks on the office door where Beth and McNider might be. Then Pat in a striped sea shirt comes in behind him. They start fighting, like hitting each other. Wildcat tells Yolanda that she kills uh, one person, brainwave of all people, and she gets weepy. And he's like, you don't have what it takes. Cindy's fighting little Cindy. Both her blades are out. Courtney tries blasting creepy kid Eclipso again and again. He keeps like disappearing. She asks if he's trying to bring the Shadowlands there. And he's like, yes. He's like, then I'll be able to merge the two and consume all of humanity at once. And he'll finally end his suffering and become a god. So more fighting, more smashing. McKnighter yells. He's like, none of this is real. So he's like trying to stop them from fighting. Beth tells Courtney that he's right behind her so she finally hits him um the other doubles disappear he uh slides forward and like hits them with an energy blast and knocks him down yolanda tries fighting him but he knocks her down cindy and courtney are fighting him at the same time then he throws them both out the window and like the staff looks like it's getting weak because it's like not really lit up at the garage rick is working on hourglass again <laughs> So it looks like maybe now he has it fixed. There's sand inside and everything like that. He flips it, but nothing happens. So he grabs his bag with his costume and he goes to leave. Mike's like, did you get it to work? He's like, nope. Then you're like, well, where are you going? He's like, to fight. So Mike realizes that Pat knew they wouldn't get Stripe working because Mike was supposed to sit there and wait for Stripe to, to start up. But he's like, he must have sent him there so he wouldn't want to get in, into the fight. Thunderbolt returns with Chinese food. So I don't know why it took him so long, why he couldn't just make Chinese food when he's making these giant like cheeseburgers and stuff. But uh, they're about to explain to Zeke. He doesn't want an explanation. He just wants to take it all in. And he's just, oh, just let me take this. You know, Eclipso jumps and he climbs up on a rooftop of a building above the bell tower. He's like, it's time. He's, so he's on the edge of the victory. Then a uh, 
you know, horns plays and Stripe's there. So he looks at Stripe in confusion. Stripe lands the street, does a dab. There are people still doing it. Then he bends over, tells Eclipso to kiss his shiny metal ass. So Mike is inside. I apparently they wish for the engine part. Pat comes out, sees Stripe. Zeke tells uh, over like the radio. He tells Mike to hit the yellow button. His buzzsaw comes out. He tries cutting Eclipso. Eclipso is in the middle of the street now, by the way. Um, he tries c- cutting Eclipso in half. Then he uses a flamethrower. Thunderbolt brings Jakeem there. He wishes for him to electrocute Elix- Eclipso. Eclipso screams as he you know, like flies through him, whatever. And then he gets stuck or something like that. Eclipso grabs him by the feet and throws him at Stripe. Eclipso turns to Jakeem. He like roars in his face. Then Rick shows up and tells him to leave. He's like, leave them alone. Eclipso, he's like, oh, did you come here to die? He's like, you have no super strength. And Rick says, he's like, oh, I have super strength. And it lasts more than an hour. So Grundy comes, knocks Eclipso down. Jakeem asks Rick, he's like, what's that? He's like, it's a friend. Eclipso manages to kick Grundy back. Then he blasts a giant hole like right through his gut. So it's like that fight didn't last long. And Rick's like, no. And Eclipso just punches him and sends him flying. So Rick is like knocked out. So it's weird that he blasts a hole through Grundy, but he's not like trying to kill anyone else. Just like that's convenient. At the house, Jenny says that she can't sit this out anymore. That, you know, there's weird energy in the sky. And then the doorbell rings. So Barbara answers, and she's like, oh, my God, it's you. And we don't see who it is, but you can kind of figure it out. Pat runs a stripe. He tells Mike that he'll have to reboot the system. Eclipso grabs him, drags him, like, across the way. Courtney comes and tells him to let him go. Pat's like, run, get help. Eclipso threatens to twist his arm off. He wants to know how she feels. He's like, say it, say it, say it. And she screams, I hate you. And he's like, ah, yes. And he rushes up and grabs her by the throat. He's like, everything that you know he did tonight to her friends, sending her to Shadowlands, all that was to make the darkness within her grow. So he has his hooks in her now because she has chosen to embrace the darkness. And then he like oozes like into her, like through her mouth or whatever. She, her eyes end up getting like changed. She picks up the staff and, and it like kind of turns purple. Her eyes are like glowing red now. And her face, face is half purple. And then she say, says she wields the power of darkness and the power of light. Evil, maniacal laugh. And she says she'll merge the two worlds and then she can feed. But obviously it's Eclipso saying all this. Beth and McNider see Beth arguing with her parents. She wonders how she can get them out of there. And then darkness starts oozing off of them and up. So they're free. And then the shade is there too. He says that bringing the Shadowlands to the world was just the little nip he needed. And he adds that, you know, saving her parents was a bonus. McNider asks, he's like, well, then what was that death scene at the theater all about? He's like, oh, you know, I've always had a flair for theatrics. So Beth's parents ask her, like, what are you wearing? Because she's in her costume. And she's like, who's that man? You know, Dr. Midnight. And she's like, it's a long story. And she's like, stay here. It's safer. And McNider, Dr. Midnight, he's like, you should both be very proud. So Yolanda sees uh, Cindy get up. She's like, (laughs) relocates her shoulder. And then they see Courtney. Cindy's like, we have to kill her. Uh, we have to kill the host. So Yolanda's like, you are not hurting Courtney. So um, they attack her. Yolanda's trying to get the staff away. Courtney says that they have um, no idea the 
what power she has, that there can only be one to control the power. Then Starman comes. He grabs the staff. He's like, well, maybe two. Pat sees that he's back. So now they're both kind of floating in the air. Everyone, like, runs out. They're all, like, out in the streets now. He tells her that he's still catching up. If the staff works for her, then she is chosen. And he tells her to fight the monster. So it flashes a Courtney. We see her with her friend, her family, Pat's arms, you know, when she's crying or whatever. And they tell Courtney she can break free, you know, just be herself. Everyone's, like, watching. Calypso flies out. And then Starman and Courtney fall, and and then he he catches her. Then Eclipso gets hit by baseball. Sportsmaster and Tigress are there. They're like, our daughter just broke us out. So that must be who Cindy called last episode. Which is like, okay, whatever. Eclipso says that he is forever. He will. He's not finished. Then Courtney and everyone else gather and stand in front of him. They're like, yes, you are. Shade says he's weakened. You know those who command the light better act quickly. Jenny, Jenny's there now. She gets her, her ring ready. Courtney and uh, Starman hold the staff. Jakeem says, he's like, oh, I wish this guy was toast. Thunderbolt acts. They all blast him. The only thing that's left by the fountain where he was standing by is a piece of toast. Courtney introduces herself. Sylvester says, does the same thing. Jakeem picks up the toast and Rick's like, we need to put that someplace safe. Courtney, Yolanda, Beth, Rick, and Jenny later, they're all outside on the porch at Courtney's um courtney says that it finally feels like summer so it's like the next day obviously um hopefully things will be good Beth's like you know as long as they're together and then courtney asks yolanda she's like you're back for good right and yolanda's like yeah i'm back and rick says that he has to run soon he has business to take care of jenny says that she has to go too beth says she has to go say goodbye to chuck yolanda asks courtney you know she's like what about you you know and then she's like what's the deal with starman so Courtney's talks to Pat in the basement. She's like, I thought Starman was dead. So he says, you know, he thought that, or they thought Dr. McNider was dead too. Sylvester said that he would explain it later. She's like, when he touched the staff, she's like, I could sense it was him and the staff could too. And she's like, it belonged to him before. Do you think he came to take it back? Pat wants to, he's like, why don't we take a, take a break and, uh, you know, we'll worry about something new. And you're just like, he's like, we'll figure it out. He's like, you know, they beat Eclipso because of her. And she's like, well, we had some help, you know, Cindy, Grundy, Shade, and e- even the Crocs. She says that, you know, Eclipso was right about there being darkness inside of everyone. Sometimes they feel anger or jealousy or hatred, but Eclipso didn't understand that there's good in everyone too. All he did was make her believe in people even more. Then Sylvester walks down the stairs. He's like, that's why the staff chose you. And he's like, I'm not here to take it back, but maybe I can show you what it can really do. And she's like, uh, she's like that would be amazing. And Pat's like, yeah, but after summer school. And Sylvester's like, superheroes don't need summer school. McNider's getting ready to leave. Barbara's like, you don't have to. She's like, there's plenty of room. And he's like, well, you know, you may be having another impending house guest with Sylvester. And he's like, and I need to go find my wife. Beth comes in, so she must have been eavesdropping. And she's like, I already did. She's in Indiana. And Beth asks, she's like, did you know that she was pregnant when everyone thought you died? And he's like, what? And Beth's like, you have a 10-year-old son. Then, uh, so he's like, you know, like, okay. Then she's like, what if the world needs Dr. Midnight again? He gets up and he hands her a bag. They have one. (laughs) Mike and Jakeem are walking with their newspaper bags. Uh, He says that he can pilot Stripe with his dad's permission, kind of like a driver's permit, but he hopes that he'll be taking it out by the end of summer. 
Jakeem's like, it all feels like a dream. And Mike mentions, he's like, you know, my sister has a whole JSA thing, but maybe uh, me, you, and Thunderbolt can form our own thing. Uh, Cameron's painting is finished, the mural of his his father. His grandpa, his grandparents come, and they're like, it's wonderful, it's perfect, but it's time. And he's like, what? They're like, time to tell you the truth about your family. And then Grandpa's eyes start to ice up. Um, same with Grandma's. So he's going to find out that they're evil and have ice powers or whatever. Yolanda walks out of church. Cindy's waiting for her. Yolanda's like, I thought you left town. And Cindy's like, nah. She's like, I like it here. And Yolanda's like, you do? And she's like, no. She's like, maybe I was wrong about embracing your dark side to stop Eclipso. She's like, it's the opposite, actually. Makes you kind of think. You know, people make mistakes. Cindy's like, you did some bad things and got a pass. She's like, you know, I should get a pass, too. Yolanda's confused, and Cindy's like, I want to join the JSA. So it seems like typical. I, I mean, you could have figured this was going to happen. Rick is, he buried Grundy. Um, Shade shows up. He's like, it's ironic. The, the beast who killed his parents, he's now mourning. And Rick's like, what do you want? He's like, to tell you to stop brooding. He's like, Grundy is a, has a habit of coming back. You just have to bury him at the right place at the right time. And he's like, well, are you going to tell me? Or he's like, were you going somewhere? He's like, I'm not going anywhere. He's like, I've taken a liking to Blue Valley. Something like that. Beth and her parents are talking. They're taking it better than Beth thought because, you know, they, they're like cool with her doing this hero stuff. She asked them about the divorce and they kind of like laugh it off. They're like, with all the dangerous stuff, they started thinking, you know, they're going to try to focus on each other. They're going to, and they're going to be the, the best parents that she could ever have. And they have ideas, you know, costume ideas, nanotechnology, and all this stuff. And she's like, great. So then uh, at the house, they're having breakfast. Barbara says that Jenny called. She made it to Milwaukee safely. Pat says that Sylvester is getting the basement set up. Courtney comes down. She's happy. It's the last day of summer school. Barbara says the house next door sold. And then conveniently, the doorbell rings. So they go. Pat goes to answer the door. It's the Crocs. And he's like, howdy, neighbor. So we brought muffins. or I think they're blueberry muffins. And Courtney's like, what the? F-? And then it cuts. So the Crocs are living next to Courtney. And then it's like, Frenemies coming 2022. But it's not over yet. There is like an end scene. The, at the Hellex Institute for Youth Re- Rehabilitation, that like, angry nurse tells like some dude, Green Lantern's daughter is in Milwaukee searching for her brother, but she found some friends, friends like her. And then uh, the dude's like, he is like, where are those friends? And she's like, a small town in Nebraska, populated by heroes and villains. So then we see it's Mr. Bones or Director Bones or whatever you want to call him. He's like, what an interesting experiment. Perhaps we should take a trip to Nebraska. And that's where it ends. So it was a good season, you know, overall. It's just weird, the whole summer school thing when it had... There was school involved, like, in the first episodes, but then it kind of just really veered away from that. So it's weird that they would call it summer school but that's fine uh i mean it, it's this whole story took place over the summer so that's fine so I, I enjoyed it i liked it i can't wait for the second season okay now dc's legends of tomorrow season seven episode four speak easy does it yeah so this is i didn't this was an okay episode i wasn't super crazy about it chicago 1925 the legends arrive in uh hoover's car so they're they they have to ditch it because you know so no one follows them they're getting low on money uh they're complaining because gary gave like some waitress a 20 dollar tip or something like that because obviously he's not thinking about the time period 
or, you know, change in money, all that. So they need to get some disguises so they can get across town to the train station, I guess. They couldn't just drive there. Uh, Sarah, Ava, and Zari go into a wig shop. The owner is racist because he ignores Zari when she's like, asking for some wigs. Outside, cops notice a car. So the, the guys come in. They, they go out the back, and they plan to use the mansion key. You know, they, they, pay, they overpay for the wigs because I think the dude, like, recognizes them or whatever. So they go out the back. They're in the alley. They're about to use the mansion key. But the door opens before they can use it. And this dude comes. He's like, oh, you looking for the sapphire string or something like that? And it turns out it's this speakeasy. There's no segregation there. there. You know, some people are playing music. So Brard goes up, starts playing, like, guitar with the other musicians. They're smiling. And it's just like, ugh. Spooner, Astor, and Gideon are riding a train. The conductor comes asking for tickets, so they run. This lady sticks up for them, saying that they're musicians. Her, you know, her boyfriend is Mr. Botani or something like that. Her name is Maud, so she's you know the, the singer, and they're the, the masquerades or something like that. I, for, I forget what their, their names were. Ava and Sarah are um, reading about another Hoover bot in the newspaper, so you know he's still looking for them, so he's he's still active. Ava's bummed. Uh, you know they don't have any money. She doesn't want to rob any more banks because you know, it draws too much attention. Sarah says she has an idea about the booze, so she talks to the bartender, and you know she wants to use the storeroom for the night. And like I think she wants twenty five percent of the the bar. And he's like, "What do you need a storeroom for?" She's like, 20 percent, no questions." And he's like, "Okay." So uh, Hooverbot scans the car. You know, find they find the car, sees her fingerprints, so he knows that they're they're close by. Three ladies are talking to Maud, um, Spooner, Gideon, and, and Astra. Music at the speakeasy. Berard's like really getting into it. It's just like, who cares? Astra's uh, looking at Maud's contract, and she says that it's criminal. And she's like, the manager dude is taking like 60%. So she goes up and starts yelling at the guy. And Astra noticed that there was a clause that says it expires after 24 months. So basically, he's, he's fired. So they're changing history even more. Okay, so it's like, all right. Speakeasy's picking up. Word's getting out that they have good stuff with the booze. So there's a lot of people there. And then Mr. Botani comes in looking for the bartender guy, Eddie, because he's renting him the place. He said that he could rent him the place for cheap as long as you know he supplies him with the liquor. And then now he's hearing that he has another source. Azari comes out um, later. You know, she finds this is like so the night's over. You know, he they made a bunch of money. Zari finds Eddie on the floor. He's he's bloody. A place is was messed up. Um, she calls for help, and then Sarah and Ava come out, and he sees like the bullet blondes. So they're like, "Who did this?" And um, he's like, "You did, or they did, or something like that." Next day, Eddie leaves. He's mad at them. Um, he says that they conned him. Uh, they stuck him in the middle like a mob war or whatever. Zari wants to help him. But then they're like, you know, they have to catch a train. So they're going to help him for like one night or something like that. So she's using the storeroom at the the wig shop. So it's like, I don't know how they got permission for that. But uh, they're going to have a party at the, the mansion as a fundraiser for Eddie so he can find a new place. But again, it's going to change history. <laughs> Maude gets a telegram on, on a train. So she's supposed to be performing at a, a club. Spooner's uh, stomach is like hurting for some reason. They're pl- sort of going to be playing at, at the place where Eddie was. Uh, Mr. Batani asked her about firing Donnie. He says that, you know, because now, so now he's there, there, whatever. They arrive. 
he says that the manager is whoever he says he is. And then he tells her this dude from RCA is going to be at the show. So he, he wants her to get a record deal. So then Astra is like talking to her about that. And she's like, oh, you know, Ross loves me or whatever. And then Astra recognizes the name, Ross Batani. So she met him in hell. And Spooner's like, well, maybe it'll be okay. So Astra asks Gideon, like, what happens to, to Maude? It says she's, you know, she checks her records, whatever. So she dies. She's found floating in a river on December 18th, 1925. It's ruled a homicide, but no charges are brought. So Astra's like, we're going to save her. She's like, I don't care if this is, you know, how it's supposed to be. It's like, you know, you guys can't stop me. So we're really going to change history now. Zari's kind of taken over this idea, you know, having a party and saving Eddie and, you know, taking charge and everything like that. And Gary's like really like impressed and everything like that. So Nate's like, oh, you're getting a crush on Zari because she's coming into power in a mission, which kind of makes sense because, you know, he always liked Ava because, you know, she was in charge of everything. Uh, the RCA dude shows up. Maud's getting ready backstage. Astra says that she has to leave because she's going to die. And she's like, oh, what? Are, you know, no, no, everything's fine. And Spooner's like, you know, it's true. She's like, you can feel it in your gut and all this stuff. So that, that must be why Spooner's feeling stuff or whatever, because she knows that whatever. So they convince her to leave before it's too late. They'll take care of Ross. Um, so it, then it's they call out it's time for the mas- masquerades, masquerades, masquerades to go on stage. And then they're like, wait, where's Gideon? So she's gone. She's out on stage because they, they wear masks or whatever. So Gideon's going to go out there and sing. It's like, really? Um, the Bullet Blondes are putting out a dance act. Um, Hooverbot finds them somehow. Uh, he gets close. They they have like the, the big um, ribbon things that you can like hang from. And they end up wrapping him up with it. And you know, people think it's part of the show or whatever. Batani goes backstage. He realizes Maude is gone. He gets puffy. He's like, where's my girl? And Astra's like, she's like, oh, we know what you're afraid of. And he's like, I'm not afraid of anything. And you're like spiders, whatever. Spooner's like using her idea, her powers, I guess, to push the thought of like infinite amount of spiders crawling on him, whatever. And they're like, even if he thinks of going after Maude, then he's just going to think of spiders and stuff like that. So he like leaves. This other band lady asks him if they want to try to catch the end of the Bullet Blonde show, and they're like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, they're playing, you know, across town or whatever, block a couple blocks away, or I don't know." So Eddie um, gets his money, and he has enough to get a place of his own. So you know, he thanks him and everything like that. Astro Spooner and Gideon run across town. They get to the wig shop. They check the back, but there's like nothing there. Then Astro finds Zari's phone on the floor. It's like, why would it just randomly be on the floor? And that just seems ridiculous. So then um, Gary, we see Gary on a train. He has a key and he's like, you'll be okay, legends. And then he puts it in his pocket. So the others are all in the mansion. They have the Hoover bot with them in the mansion all tied up. Zari, she's like, oh, she's going to switch over with the other Zari. She's like, since there's a robot and she, I guess she's an expert in computers or I don't remember that. And then she's like, and if anyone sees my phone, if it turns up, just you know, let me know. So that she switches places. And that's where the episode ends. So that was kind of more abbreviated um, recap. Uh, yeah, so it it was just an okay episode. It's weird that they're spending so much time in 1925. And I think the other, my, my problem with where the show is going now is, you know, all this, this stuff, I'm, I'm assuming the Hoover bot and that is because of Gideon, or not Gideon, is because of Bishop. And I just I, I find the bishop's character just really annoying. 
And the fact that he was able to hack into the version, the copy of Ava or the copy of Gideon that he has. And obviously he's trying to wipe out the legends. And so next episode is going to be more of that. Okay, so there we go. So that was uh, <laughs> that was this week's Legends of Tomorrow. So it, this season's just been okay. I mean, I, I don't know. Hasn't like, yeah, re- hasn't really done too much for me. Okay, then Doom Patrol season three, episode nine, Evil Patrol. So I think there's one more episode after this. So it starts off in 1917. Uh, we see like the Sisterhood of Dada um, at their place. Uh, they're talking about the movie, so uh, Rita's there with, with Laura and Shelley. Laura's going to turn into Bird after dance, so Rita's like, oh, it's going to be great. You, you know, you're showing your power, and Laura's like, no, it's not about that. He's like, my power is my power. My art is my art. It's about a woman becoming herself. Like, you know, the world is complicated. That's why we make art, and art is the only path through this messy life. It's pure expression, and in Laura asks Bendy, Rita, like what her dance will be. And then she's like, thinks she gets up and she's like, love me, don't look at me, love me, don't look at me, which is just like this weird thing. I don't know. In the present, uh, Rita is sort of, they're, they're facing each other, Rita and Laura. Uh, Madame Rouge, she's like, it was all a lie. She's like, you may have fooled the sisterhood, but it's like, I was there in 1949. You never wanted to change your world through art. You never cared about expression. You only cared about increasing your influence and gaining power. And Laura's like, those weren't lies. It's just the truth's changed over time. Rita tells her, it's like, shut up. She's like, I've been listening to your BS for 30 years. And Laura says, he's like, just let me go. She's like, I'll hop in a time machine and disappear. And Rita's like, the time machine is gone. She's like, I hid it away somewhere you'll never find it. And she's like, I won't let you ruin anything else. She's like, I'm ending this. She's like, there's nowhere left for you to go. And Laura's like, well, we both know that's not true. She's like, the little stunt you pull back with the sisterhood of, of Dada brought my memories flooding back. She's like, I finally know where I belong. She's like, the brotherhood of evil will welcome me back with open arms. And Rita laughs at that. She's like, Niles defeated them, you know, not long after you left on your misguided mission. She's like, the brotherhood of evil is gone. And Laura's like, then I'll just bring it back. And she says what Rita wants, she can't give her. Rita says, what I want was taken from me, taken from me by you. You stole my life, and I will not stop until I have ended yours. And Laura is like, you keep saying that. And you know, she calls her Bettendy. She's like, if you feel that way, why don't you take a shot? And then Rita goes to make a move, and Madame Rouge turns into a bird and flies away. <laughs> She's like, what, are you scared? Cliff comes down the stairs. He's happy. Jane says, "She's like, you won't believe the the dimples on Cliff's, you know, space parasite baby." You know, he says that he's proud of Larry for going back and getting him. Larry's like, "Well, you know, I wasn't sure if I was ready to be a father again." And he's like, "But when you're raising a space parasite, you never are you ever really ready or something like that." Then Jane's like, "Like everything's been so crazy lately." He's like, "You know, we haven't had time to celebrate the good." poop then cliff grabs uh, the space parasite he's like oh i want to hold it and larry's like kind of you know he, but he doesn't even get to say anything and then jane and cliff start doing peekaboo or i forget they say is or is it something else or then cliff he's like oh you know you should probably put it down for a nap and then cliff quietly is like you don't really think we're gonna give it back to you do you and jane's like yeah you're not really capable of fatherly love she's like think about what happened to your son and Cliff's like, the one who killed himself? She's like, no, the other one. She's like, he decided the best relationship would be not to have one. Then Cliff's like, or Larry's like, I, like, I could be a better father than both of you. And he's like, they like laugh hysterically or whatever. It was just a dream. So he's in the kitchen, and the place is kind of a mess. 
apparently the parasite could like sense his emotions from his dream or something like that. He says like his old friend could do that too. He's like, this was different. It was painful. And Larry says, he's like, I can sense your emotions too. He's like, this time he's like, I have to be better. Vic is uh, in a recovery room, whatever, with Silas. He said the procedure is painless. He's so he's like, underneath, he's still mechanical. He's so, like, the, the change was literally only skin deep. Silas is like, yeah, it only costs you your powers. And then he apologized. He's like, I didn't mean that to sound. And he's like, he's talking about the first time he saw Vic in the hospital when he was born. You know, he's, he's like, he didn't want him ever to be in the hospital again. Then he got appendicitis. Then there was a time he sprained his ankle during football and he still manages to throw a winning touchdown or something like that. He's like, I should have been happy, but I was angry because had it been any worse, it might've been, you know, your last game and I wasn't there for it. And Vic's like, I figured you had to work late. And Silas, like, there was this new security guard at Star Labs. He's like, it was dark out. He's like, I was rushing to make it to the game, but I, I couldn't find my dang keys. He's like, that man, he made assumptions. He's like, he stalked me. He detained me. He held me down. I can still hear him. You know, he was overweight and wheezing. He's like, I could have taken him, but then what? You know, they they name they can name buildings after me, but it's like one thing, and it would I'll be over or something like that. And Vic's like, I never knew. And Silas is like, you weren't born yesterday. He's like, you live in the same world that I do. He's like, it, it, you don't need your father to, to tell you that this is how it is. He says that that other moment in the hospital. He's the, the last time, like in the accident. He's like, I made a choice, not just to save my son's life, but to give him armor to build it into something that the world could not tear down, to build you into something that could walk the world free. You know, you always ask why I chose to build you into Cyborg. He's like, that's my answer. And Vic's like, that might be your answer, but it's not a solution. So he's like, you know, you traded my humanity for symbol. And, you know, he, he gets up. He's like, I'm standing in front of my father as a man I used to be, and he won't even embrace me. He's like, he can't even look at me. All he can think about is fear. He's like, you may want me to be able to walk the world free, but I want to walk the world as the man I was born to be. Then we see Kay in the underground. You know, she's about to get on a train to go to the upside. And Jane's like, you know, we have to talk. She's like, where are the others? And Kay's like, I don't know. She's like, they're just gone. He's like, I'm glad they are. He's like, maybe they knew I didn't need them anymore. And she's like, I just want to feel like what it was like or how I felt in the sweet shop again in, in the fog. And Jane's like, it's not that simple. She's like, I like that feeling too, but it can't last forever. She's like, we should talk. And she's like, you know, you must be wondering where the others are. She's like, I am too. And Kay says that, you know, she's like, sometimes I wonder if you understand me at all. And the train door closes. And when the train leaves, like, you can hear some distant, scre distant screaming and growling. And Jay's like, she says, I, I hope Kay knows what she's doing. In Boca Raton, Florida, uh, Madame Rouge is at a security gate trying to talk to Mala and he's like who is this and she's like it's Madame Rouge she's like who and she's then you know she tries explaining and and uh, Mala's like no he's like you are not welcome here he's like this is a retirement community he's like your services are not needed and then you can hear the brain tries coming on and they're like arguing or he's like it's none of your concern and he's like it is my concern he's like buzz buzz him in Cliff walks up to the house Vic uh, comes up to and cliff sees him without the armor he's like what is this real and vic's like what do you think and cliff's like what do i think he's like wtf does general tony think so the subconscious from last episode rita is uh trying to educate Kay on the brotherhood of evil and everything going on so she has like these like signs you know like poster sheets or whatever and she asks Kay, she's like what superpowers do you have and she's like i don't have any she's, and she's like the others are gone 
So she's like, you know, crossing, you know, she, Rita's trying to form a, an attack plan. Rita sees Vic and she's like, what have you done? And then, you know, she tries congratulating him, but, you know, she crosses off her cannon, arm cannon or whatever, so her, her name and power. Then Cliff asks, why did he come back? And he's like, well, I live here. And Kay's asks, like, do you have superpowers? And he's like, no. So Cliff, he's like, then I want to arm wrestle. He's like, the winner gets to call himself Cyborg. And Rita starts like to chastise him. And Cliff's like, it's a lot to process. He's like, you know, you spent 30 years in the past and, you know, you didn't change at all. Vic goes away for a three-day weekend and, and changes everything. Then Rita asks, she's like, who says I didn't change? Larry comes in with kind of like this like Hawaiian shirt or something like that and a parasite. Um, he's like, can you keep it down or whatever? He's like, he's like I'm sorry, I'm, I'm you know late. Then Cliff says that he's like, Unless that thing is colorblind, he's like, you're only making life harder. And then, you know, he's talking about a shirt. And Kay's like, well, I like it. And Larry's like, thanks, Kay. Then Cliff realizes, he's like, Kay? He's like, you're not Jane? He's like, holy poop. Has everyone fixed her poop? And Rita tries getting him back on track. And she's like, you know, we may have tried this before, but, you know, you were subs back then. You know, when they were subconscious trying to form this attack plan against Madame Rouge. The brain, meanwhile, welcomes Madame Rouge at her new headquarters. So you, you see this little little place. There's like a sign that says Boca Raton means heaven on earth. They're close to the beach. She's like, things are good. And she explains how the mission didn't go well because he neglected to tell her about the amnesia. Then he says, you know, she's talking about some stuff. He's like, oh, that sounds like a Madame Rouge problem. And she asks, she's like, well, aren't I an equal member of the Brotherhood of Evil? And the brain's like, well, there are members and there are equal members. She's like, you were a member for like an afternoon. She's like, well, you want to destroy Nile Calder's creations before they destroyed you or something like that. And then the brain um, is convinced. And then, you know, so, you know, he's like, okay. And then he tells Mala to get his toys. And then Mala, he doesn't doesn't want them to get involved with this. He He's in a kitchen, which is, you know, a really small place. And he keeps, like, turning on the blender. And he's like, like he, acting like he can't hear um larry asks rita he's like wasn't the brotherhood defeated years ago he's like maybe this will blow over and she's like no she's like they're coming for me and then he's like more talking cliff finally says he's like well if you're looking to kick evil's ass i'm ready to roll and then the doorbell rings and it's clara and she's like every single time so she like almost had him ready and then some, there's another distraction in boca raton they're looking through a bunch of cardboard boxes like you know it says like deadly stuff not deadly stuff and whatever he says that you know they're the brotherhood of evil um, she hasn't done anything to earn their help, so she has to go on another mission first if they want them to help her. Clara says that, you know, she's she's there. She says that uh, Cliff left his meds at the house, and she's like, that's some pretty serious stuff. And he's like, well, the website said they were safe. Then she's like, you know, I didn't even want to come. He's like, but there are serious side effects from these meds, especially if you're not taking the regulated dosage. He's like, what side effects? Or what sort of side effects? And she's like, impulse control, gambling, lust. She thinks that, she said, I, said, I think I need to take you to a doctor, like a real doctor. So that would explain Cliff's uh, spending and everything like that. Kay is down in the interview room, and Vic happens to walk by. He's like, what are you doing down here? And she says that everyone in her head got to sit at that table and talk to Mr. Colder, but she never did. And so she says she guesses no one ever wanted to talk to her and Vic's like we all want to talk to her he's like you ask the others he's like Niles most of all he's like they thought you know maybe she didn't want to talk to them and she says that they never let her come up and you know she always thought it was because they were trying to keep her safe but now she thinks they're just trying to keep all this for themselves and he's like why did you decide to come up now and he's like you know did something happen to Jane 
so she sits down and she's like, Jane's fine. She starts crying a little bit. She's like, she's just in the underground like she used to be. But for the first time in a long time, she feels like the person that she's, she's the person that she's supposed to be. And he's like, yeah, I, I understand that. He says that, you know, he's happy for her. They both let people call the shots in their lives for too long. It's like they're they're both finally in charge of things. So he gets up to leave, and she's like, "Could you interview me like Mr. Colder used to?" And he kind of like hesitates for a second, but then he you know comes back in. He turns the camera on and sits down. He has like a smile on his face, and he talks in like a formal accent. He's like, "What would you like to talk about?" And she's kind of happy. Rita's packing. Larry's like, "What are you doing?" And she says she's going after Rouge. She can't stay there while. You know, she's out there free. And then he asks, he's like, what happened with, with you guys? She seems so desperate for approval. And now she's so, he's like, this feels personal. And she's like, Laura, I mean, Rouge, and she and I have history. She's like, it might seem that I was only gone for a few days, but for me, it was an entire lifetime. And he looks into like the suitcase. He's like, well, based on a pink cardigan and that one piece bathing suit, I'd say you're still the, the same Rita we all know and love. And she's like, that Rita's gone. And then uh, Larry gets a shot from the parasite, like kind of pulses red. And it, like one of her mirrors cracks too. He's like, oh, sorry about that. But, you know, she's like, whatever. Then he, she says like, good luck with your thing. And he asks, he's like, how long will you be gone? She's like, I don't know. She's like, Rouge could be anywhere by now. And she asks if he knows how difficult it would be to track down a shapeshifter. And then it cuts to Clara calling to make an appointment for her father. She's talking to like a doctor's office. Rita comes in and she's like, oh, can I borrow Cliff for a moment? And she just like pulls him away while her daughter's like on a phone and might need to talk to him or whatever. And he's like, W2F. And she's like, uh, she's like, something about this doesn't add up. She's like, are you sure that's Clara? He's like, my daughter? Who? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's my daughter. Then she's like, she mentions Rogue's shape-shifting. And she asks, she's like, do you think you'd really get another chance with her and then he's like why can everyone else have good things happen he so he agrees it does feel too good she tells him to go back and she'll get the others you know just in case so he goes in and he's like clara he's like you tell me if you were secretly a shapeshifter wouldn't you but clara's gone and rory's just in his car seat on a table like alone so he picks him up and then Clara comes down saying that she had to change his diaper and she's carrying Rory too. So it's like, what? So then uh, Cliff and Clara both say WTF. And then the baby in Cliff's arms starts changing. <laughs> its head changes into Madame Rouge's head. And then he like drops her. It's kind of crude animation, but it was, it was funny. Um, he tells Clara to run. And uh, Madame Rouge like rolls around and laughs and she jumps on a table. Rita and the others come in. Kay runs out of the room. Uh, Vic, he like raises his hand to blast her with his cannon arm, but then he realizes he doesn't have one anymore. Rita grabs an iron skillet and Vic grabs like like a fire poker or something like that. They try swatting her and stuff like that. Larry gets zapped by the, the parasite. Um, she gets hit, like uh, Rita hits her or whatever. And then she dives into Cliff and um, tases him. Kay is hiding in, in a table in the other room and then like passes out. So uh, Madame Rue, she she changed you know into herself now fully because she was like partially changed. She teleports out with Cliff and then Clara asks them to get get him back safely. And Rita tells the others like we need to act. She asks Vic to find out where the Brotherhood is hiding. He tries calling Grid but he can't. He's like I'll go get my laptop. Rita asks Larry to start the bus. 
then she tells Jane they need to do something, but she says she doesn't know. She's like, you know, the underground is a mess, and she swears she heard something down there. So Jane came back, you know, when when uh, Kay passed out. She's like, you know, something is in pain. And Rita's like, don't do this. She's like, every time something goes back, you get lost in your head. She's like, you can't sleep through another crisis, which is just like, it's not all about whatever. I mean, I guess it's about Cliff now. Vic comes out. He's like, they're in Florida, you know, Boca Raton, whatever. So I don't know how he found out. Cliff wakes up in a chair. The brain is in front of him. And he says he spent his whole life trying to make a body like his. And he was furious when Niles Calder did what he couldn't. And then when he saw his blueprints auction online, he had to bid. And he's like, you know, Niles was smart but not brilliant. So he had to know how he did it. And it turns out he dabbled in science and magic. So Cliff's body is like one of a kind. It's special and it should belong to someone like him. So once he has a body, he'll get his revenge. Rouge ex explains that he'll he'll go back to his foolish friends and destroy them one by one, saving Rita for last. She'll just finish her off herself. Cliff's like, wow, you really are evil. And her brain's like, oh, she's nothing. And then Mala comes in behind her and jabs her with a needle and you know makes her pass out. Then Mala starts growling and heads towards Cliff. Kay calls out to Jane in the underground. So she's like walking out. It's, it's dark. In the bus, they're arguing. And it, it turns out Larry isn't fully happy for Vic and you know because he's like you know why does his fresh start let him look normal and his looks like the space parasite <laughs> and Vic's like so wait a minute because you know Vic's driving he's like so none of you are, are happy for me he's like you're all jealous and Jane yells she's like well just deal with it later she's like you know we all have crap going on and she's like you know like Rita said this is about Cliff and Larry's like what she said that it's like this isn't about Cliff or her and she just like looks away and he's like tell them the truth so then we see Rita's on a gurney, Cliff's brains in a jar next in her arm. So I don't know if it's if it's how it's going to be preserved. It's like not hooked up to anything, but just I think it just says Cliff like on a piece of tape. Uh, he he tells her not to try shape shifting. She was injected with a, a meta human blocker, and she's like, "We had a deal." And her brain's like, "Oh, I've changed my mind." And he's like, "The brotherhood of evil is old news. Evil is a complicated thing." He's like, 70 years ago, he's like, "I wanted to rule the world. After Calder defeated me." All I wanted was to erase his legacy. But now, all I want to do is take the metal body and live a life of indulgence in sunny Boca Raton with a lady in Unit J or something like that. And he says goodbye to her as she's put like in the back of a van. In the bus, the truth starts coming out. Rita used a time machine, and she could have stopped all this, but she went back. She had a life. She says she forgot. She escaped. She fell in love. She had friends. She had a perfect life until Rouge... So she could have changed the timeline, but that could have erased that life. So she couldn't do that. So now she's back, but it doesn't feel like home anymore because they're all strangers to her. Kay is still walking the underground, screams and the growling is growing. Then she comes across a bunch of glowing red eyes. So she turns and runs. So the brain in Cliff's body's robot man's body is wearing a suit. He grabs a cane, puts on some music, starts dancing. Kay runs to her room, shuts the door. Um, the door is like rattling. She's like screams and the scream sends like waves through the underground. And then on the bus, Jane starts screaming. The parasite glows. And then the bus like, whoosh, like, you know, almost like it blows up. Uh, it, there's something it blows up inside. The brain is out, is dancing with other people in the community. He's dancing with some lady. So it must be the lady from Unit J. Mala unloads uh, Rouge and the jar by the woods. So he's probably going to dump them in a pit or something like that. Um, the bus 
kind of flips up, it lands on its side, and just like kind of slides on the ground. So they're all dead. Maybe, probably not. So that was the end of the episode. And then uh, next week is the season finale. And it feels like this season went fast. It's so weird. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Titans seemed like it took longer, but Titans did have more episodes. And Titans was good, but Titans also had Scarecrow, who annoyed the heck out of me. So I don't know. I mean, this this uh, this might be my favorite season. I don't know. I would, Not necessarily that it's the best season, but I feel like with the other seasons, you know, it, it, not that it was a chore to watch, but this one, it's like I every week I'm like actually like really excited to watch it. And it's weird because, like I said, I don't think this is the best season, but something about it is just really working for me. So I, I'm, I've really been enjoying this, this show. Okay, now I want to talk about Paranormal Activity Next Akin. So it's a found footage, supernatural movie, horror movie. It's not, I don't know if I'd really call it found footage. I won't get into the specifics of that, but it's not quite the same as the others. So apparently this was supposed to be in the theaters, uh, but because of our state of the theaters, the COVID and everything, people refusing to get vaccinated, you know, it, it kind of changed plans a, a bit. I'm looking at this movie, and honestly, I don't, I can't see this as being like strong enough to. It doesn't feel like it was supposed to be in a theater. It feels like, not that it's a lower production, because I mean, the, to be fair, you know, the, the acting was was good, the the sets, the scenery, whatever, the locations, uh, you know, all that was was all good. I think it's just the the, the story was just okay it didn't it was just kind of weird there is a things kind of turn and it's just like what you know when, when you find some stuff out but it's just it's kind of weird so it has nothing to do with the other paranormal movies because i think the last one was supposed to be like the i don't even know if i saw the last one but this is totally different and the the weird thing about this I don't know if I'd necessarily call this like a paranormal. I guess it's kind of paranormal, but the others seem more like they were ghost related. And this one kind of, there's some aspects that might be, but it doesn't really feel like, I, I don't know how specific I should get to it, but it's like, it's not quite, it, it's not a ghost, you know, story. So what's going on here is we have this, uh, this lady, Margot and her, um, her boyfriend, they, they want to make a documentary about her because her mother abandoned her, left her like outside a hospital or something like that. And then she was adopted. So, you know, she somehow got the footage, the security footage of, of this. And at one point, um, like currently she met a blood relative and they did like a, like a DNA test type of thing or whatever. They, so she finds out that this dude, I think his name was Samuel. That he lives in a an Amish community, so it turns out that that's where her mom came from. That her mom was Amish and gave her up. This uh, this guy, the reason the way that they found each other is, I, I guess they allow like older. I mean, he was he's he's young. He's probably like in his early twenties, but they allow certain members whatever to go out in the real world to experience things or whatever and then come back or whatever so that's how they they kind of came into contact so he's going to bring her back 
you know, they, 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 they meet up and they go, go there. They have this other dude. He's like the sound guy that is kind he's supposed to be like the comedy relief. He's like kind of this big sort of doofy guy. He's a little more annoying than funny at times, at least in my opinion. So they, they go to the like Amish house. And at first it's, it's, you know, they're talking to uh, what would be Margot's grandfather. They go to the house and he's like not too happy or whatever. So they're going to like, eventually allowed to stay like up in these rooms like by the attic or close to the attic or something like that and um strangely you know they allow them to film you know they're okay with it even though they're you know they're anti-technology or whatever and you know they they have like a generator hooked up outside and stuff like that so they they kind of like just get a get a feel for the place you know, trying to find out like what's going on, is what what happened with her her mom and stuff like that. So you find out some stuff that you know she was like, kind of she wasn't she didn't really fit in with the others. She was more free spirit or whatever, and you know so she was trying to do other things. At one point, you know there there's this this uh, I don't know how much to give away, but at one point you know there there's an addict that's supposed to be off limits and they end up going up there. But there's this part. Where so Margot goes up there and you know because this door is like always locked, but she like hears something or whatever, and she goes out in the hallway and the door is like open. There's like a lock and like a padlock and it's not not locked. So she goes there and you know she's like looking around. She finds a note from her mom, and then like someone's someone up there, and so it's like I was like oh crap she's gonna get locked in this attic now. So she hides under there's a bed in this up, upstairs. So it's like weird. It's like someone living there. What's going on? And so she hides under the bed, and uh, I think it was the grandfather came in, and you know he looks around. There's nothing there, so he he goes and. But the the weird thing is, this this bedroom was like there was this door behind a dresser, so you like you had to move the dresser in order to, to open this door, so he would have noticed. It. So he, he's got to know someone was up there, but then he just like leaves, and and then so she's hiding under the bed, and of course the camera's still rolling. That's the other thing that's a, a little far fetched is they're constantly filming everything like every single moment and there's time like oh someone gets hurt and maybe you know oh set the camera down and then with a sh- you know the people still in shot and then you go and it's not like like just drop it at your feet it's like oh i'm gonna set it up here like maybe 10 feet away so we can get you know all of us in frame and then i'm gonna check to see if you're okay so it's just a little bit of that what was also i'm trying to remember now the other ones i feel like the other movies all the footage was from the cameras, right? Did we ever like see people outside? We must have seen people off the cameras, like in real life, because we we get that here where it's not just pieced together by the footage. Is that right? So, anyways, uh, while Margot going back, she's like under the bed, and then like someone sits on the bed because the bed like, like kind of goes down. And she's still filming and everything. And and as she's like moving, she's like sliding the camera. It's like someone just sat on the bed and you're like sliding the camera on a wooden floor. And then she like holds a camera out to like look up to shine it. Like, so no one's going to see this. It's like, what? And then there's like no one on the bed. And she doesn't even mention this. I don't think she mentions that the next day. Because she's, so she gets up out from under the bed and then she's like going to go out the window. Because like that could be like her only place because the door is locked or something. And then it's like, wait, was there something out there? And 
Uh, and then another thing that happens is they're out exploring where they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to go out in the woods, and they find like this church. Like it's almost like a mile away from like the the settlement. And they're like, why would this church be so far out? And then the door's locked. So there, there's like something in the church. They do eventually get into church, and uh, they they find spoilers. Not really. I'm not gonna spoil too much. But they they find like this hidden like trap door. And it's just like, what's down there? I'm going to leave leave you in suspense with that. It was just like, holy crap. And they're like, oh, let's go down. Or Margot wants to go down there because, you know, she wants answers. And so then we, we find out, like, what's the deal? I mean, there is kind of like a, a holy crap moment. And it's it's kind of nuts. Uh, it, it does. Uh, it, I think it does kind of help the, the story to shake things up a bit, you know, turn things sideways. But, man. <laughs> the, the movie was just okay. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't. I, I wouldn't know if I'd say it's you know horrible or anything like that. But looking at the, I don't know if this is current or not. But apparently, it's at a twenty-one percent on Rotten Tomato, um, based off of thirty-three reviews. So it's just, it just, it wasn't really. I don't know, not not satisfying. It, it wasn't like fulfilling as a, as a movie because at least with you know horror movies or whatever you know you get enough of a story or scares or whatever and this was just kind of uh, i don't know i mean it's just when, when all is explained to, as much as it can be explained it just i i just was like that's it so it it didn't feel and like i said i don't know if i've seen the last paranormal movie. i'm not sure if i've seen the last couple i don't even know how many i've seen now but it just it wasn't quite as 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 powerful i don't even know if that's not the right word but it wasn't as good as the other ones so that's what almost makes us feel like it was never intended to be in a theater because it didn't feel like it was at the same quality of those so i don't know i mean no offense to anyone involved with it like i said you know the, the movie was done well the acting was 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 good it, it all looked believable and all that but i just i was like okay that's it so that's paranormal activity. I mean, if you're invested in a franchise or curious, you know, like I said, it's not a horrible movie, but I don't know, maybe I maybe I was just expecting something a little more, something a little different. It was okay. Maybe you might like it more than I did. I don't know. But I was just a little disappointed with it. So that's Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. So it's on Paramount Plus. Okay, and now the movie feature. Eternals, Marvel Studios Eternals. I, this is just weird that people really don't like this. I think it's it's this might be at a fifty. The last time I checked, it was fifty three percent. I think that's just like really really low. Or actually no, now it's down to forty eight percent based off of two hundred eighty nine reviews. The thing is, I feel like a lot of people for whatever reason. They just really want to hate on on Marvel Studios. Like I, I saw someone like tweet something. It's just like, wait, why are you tweeting this? It's like, why are we like even associated or following or you know, why why is this coming up in my timeline? And it's it's just saying how you know, I I just I don't get the whole thing when people relish or just they really want to like crap all over something like Marvel or Disney or DC or whatever. It's just like, why are you so bitter that you're just not happy? And I, I think a lot of people just feel like entitled. Like I love these characters. So 
it should be the way exactly how I want them. And, you know, just like why so many people are so mad about, you know, the, the last Star Wars movies and, and everything like that and how, you know, Disney is ruining them all and everything. It's it's like, you know, things change, things evolve. We're not always going to get the same stuff all the time. And there's going to be different people, different creative uh, teams. Things aren't always going to go exactly as you want. And maybe some characters might feel a little different, but they might change. So these are the same type of people who hate Doctor Who that, you know, despise the fact that it's a woman now is ridiculous. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not crazy about the idea, but I'm totally open to seeing, you know, watching it. I do want to watch that special that just came out, even though I haven't watched the last season. So I don't know. I mean, so with Eternals, it's not a 40, what what I say, 48%. I mean, it's, it's better than that. I, my question would be like, okay, what is Justice League? What is just? I'm going to look that up. Okay, so here is a, this is why I, I don't spend a lot of time at all reading reviews. Ju, uh, Justice League is at a 40%. This is a 2017, not Zack Snyder's, uh, you know, super awesome, best thing ever movie. I'm totally being sarcastic. Um, Justice League for 2017 is at a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes based off of 406 uh, reviews. Eternals at a 48% based off of 289. So difference in uh, number of reviews. But the, if you just look at the, the score, Justice League is at 40%. Eternals forty eight percent. That does not make sense. That's does not even close. Uh, Justice League audience scores is at a sixty nine percent. Eternals audience is at an eighty four percent. And this is based off of two thousand five hundred plus verified ratings. So eighty four percent of the audience, or not eighty four percent of the audience, but they they gave it a it, you know a forty eight percent compared to forty. It's like the numbers are are flipped. I just I I think that that's kind of crazy, and I feel like some people are just like crossing their fingers, hoping that Marvel's going to have a failure. Uh, it's looking like it's going to make like sixty nine million dollars opening weekend, which um, see I don't even know if I I think that's good now in this day and age, you know, considering COVID and everything like that, may not be what was normal, but it's it's not it's not a 48 percent that is just just ridiculous so as far as what i thought you know i didn't uh necessarily love the movie um it it was it was a very interesting movie i i feel like it was very ambitious it was really good looking movie there's a lot going on there's almost too much going on is a problem for me so i you know this might have been i don't know if this was like the least excited i was for a movie you know shang chi i was i was intrigued i was curious about that and i was a little i i'm a little more familiar with shang chi than the eternals i've read some eternals comics over the year i've been reading more lately since uh was it kieran gillen uh the the, the current series i'm i'm learning more about about them and it was cool to see it's like i was like oh i actually know more about eternals than i thought you know, seeing some of these different characters so it was cool to see how they were presented and all that. It does seem a little weird how they were in hiding for you know all these years and everything like that. But it makes sense, you know, because they weren't to be involved unless they weren't supposed to get involved unless it had something to do with deviants. So all that makes sense, and we, we see them just like doing their own thing or whatever. So there's just a lot going on. The main thing is because of the energy 
or whatever with the the aftermath of the Thanos snap that this thing called the emergence is supposed to happen. And when you find out like what's going on and, and everything like that and how it's explained, you know, it's it's not that not that it's confusing or anything, but it is kind of a little weird. You're like, wait, is it this or is it this? And then you find out more. That that whole part of the story, I mean, it, it does, it, to me, it did kind of feel a little con- convoluted at times. And I'll also admit, you know, I, I was really tired when I watched a movie. So I was, I was fighting to stay awake, not because of the movie, but because I, I think I only got like barely over five hours of sleep, which is stupid. I know I should have tried to get, make sure I got more sleep. And part of it's like when I'm sitting in a comfortable theater in the dark, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. So, you know, I, it wasn't a boredom thing, you know, cause this has happened before in other movies. I, you know, I hate to admit that. You know, I was intrigued with the, the characters. Some of them I didn't care so much for. Some of them, you know, a couple of them were a little annoying, but that's kind of a good thing because not everyone's supposed to be likable. And I, you know, I, I liked some of the, you know, some of the seeing some of the characters and just how they were portrayed and fleshed out. And you know, some of them I would like to see more of. But then, um, what was weird is having Dane Whitman here. If you know who he is, you know, the Black Knight, he doesn't. It's, it's almost like, why is he here? And, you know, it didn't really fit in with the Eternals. We will probably we are going to see I, I'm assuming, you know, we're going to see more of him. There was a kind of little like a tie in something coming up, which if you've read spoilers, you know about it. I didn't even know what it was. So there, there's a scene where someone talks to him and it's like, you don't even know who that is. But then the director, I guess in an interview, she confirmed who it was. So it's just like, wait, you're watching this movie and you have no idea. It's one thing if you want to do like Nick Fury comes in. Hey, Mr. Stark, the Avengers initiative. You know, at least you see it's like you're, that's Nick Fury. You know who it is. But with this, some random voice comes on and then you're like, wait, who, who's talking? What, what is what is happening here? So that that was like a weird, weird thing. Um, but as far as, as the, the movie goes, uh, you know, I am I would like to see this again. Uh, obviously, I, I don't want to go to the theater more than I have to, and I don't want to pay to you know see it again right away. I, I, I definitely do feel like I need to watch it again just because of how tired I was, and you know, I, I want to see more, pay more attention. You know, I, I think it's to me it's it's worth a second viewing just to, to try to catch more detail and everything, and just to really take in. I think 10 characters, 10 new characters is a lot. Apparently, there is two more characters that they wanted. Um, one, I forgot the name, was like a vampire-ish one character. And then there was one other character, but they didn't name who. So they wanted to, to give us 12 new characters, but instead they gave us 10. I think the movie is like two hours, was it two hours and 37 minutes or something like that? So there's just like so much going on. And then the, the story, all this stuff is happening and then things kind of twist and then this, that. And so it just felt like there was a lot going on here. So to me, that's kind of like why it does need to be seen again. But there are a lot of cool things. As far as like the core of the movie, it doesn't, um, there, there's no like major references to like locations or anything like other Marvel stuff. But you know, obviously the big connection is the fight with Thanos and, you know, there, there's little things here and there, but it, it was interesting. And I feel like almost in, in this movie, we see more of the human side of things because, you know, since they've been in hiding, 
some of the uh, Eternals have like normal lives and, you know, they're, they're normal jobs and everything. So we, we kind of see other people in that. Um, some strange thing, not really strange. Well, one strange thing is there's kind of a sex scene. It's, it's, you know, there's nothing shown or whatever, but you know what's going on when you have one person on top of the other one. And then there's like moments of passion that seemed a little weird. I mean, it's totally fine. It's PG 13 or whatever, but it's, it's just kind of weird that we've had that in none of the Marvel movies. And it's like, let's just put this in here. Does that add to the movie? Does that make them, you, you can see like that they act, these two characters actually had a connection or whatever. Is it necessary? I mean, you. I think you got the impression beforehand. So that was just just weird. I was like, "That's interesting. That's different." I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know about that. Why? Whatever. Not a big deal. But then the other thing, what was actually, I, I kind of, I did enjoy this. So you know, you have there's a, a gay, two gay characters, one saying goodbye to the other, and you just see. And I was just like, <laughs> as much as I complain, <laughs> here comes hypocrite Tony. As much as I complain about whenever you have like Hulkling and Wiccan in the comics, they're kissing, they're, they're holding hands, they're doing, you know, it's, it's all about that. But when you see these characters, and they're, I was like, kiss them, kiss them, kiss them. <laughs> and then they, they kiss. And it was, it was a very sweet and touching moment. I, I really thought it was great. But of course, because of something like that, Saudi Arabia is banning the movie. They don't want to play it because there's gay elements in it. It's like, come on. It's like, come on. Who cares? It's two people in love. It's it just, it, I can't understand the thought that you don't want to show this movie because of that. I mean, and the movie is, is diverse. You know, if you look at the cast uh, and uh, so it's like, you know, these beings are, you know, they're, are, what are they, aliens? I don't even know what you'd call Yeah, I guess they're aliens. But they, they all look like different races. Great, awesome. You know, the, the celestials are very considerate to not make everyone white dudes. <laughs> but So, I mean, I, I, I liked, the more I think about it, the more I like the movie. But I just really, really wish I wasn't so tired when I watched it. I don't know if I had coffee. I was, I remember when I was leaving school, I was like, I should have some coffee so it kicks in because for me, coffee tends to be like a delayed thing. I was like, I should have some coffee before I go. I of course I didn't have I didn't have any coffee, so I, I really do want to see it again. This is one that I wish was. Well, I don't wish it was because like when when the Suicide Squad came out, I saw it in a the theater, and the next night I watched it at home. So I would love to be able to watch this again, and you know just to take it all in. So I'm. I think I, I probably would buy this movie when it comes out. Shang-Chi, I, I didn't buy it yet. I mean, I may some someday, but actually, is that even available? Maybe that's not out. I don't even know if that's out yet. So that, that's how I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'll watch Shang-Chi again at some point, but I'm in no rush. But this, I, I want to see this again. It's tempting to, to go back and actually go and see it. But with my time and with the cost of seeing movies every single week, I probably shouldn't, but we'll see. So I enjoyed it. As far as the story, I didn't really touch on the story so much. You know, it's, it's about like the, the basically the world's going to end, and then uh, it, they, they need to try to prevent it. But then uh, maybe someone's like, "Oh, let's not prevent it because there's a a bigger there's a reason there's a results of this emergency thing happening, 
and uh, there's something that could come out of it. So it's like whoever is involved is thinking, you know, this is a better thing. This is a more important thing than these human beings on this planet who, you know, can't do anything or whatever. So, you know, you got all of that. So it's, it, you know, it's not a perfect movie. You know, there, there are some like, why, why is that? Why are you doing that? Why is it like that? But I, I did enjoy it. Some of the costumes, I don't know how I felt about it. I mean, they, they looked a little weird. They were fine. And uh, the, the lot of, there's a lot of like, not digital, like the, like, like Athena's uh, weapons, uh, Angelina Jolie's weapons, the way, I thought it was really cool the way it came out. And then there's a just like other st- more than maybe it's just a, a eternal technology. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, even though they all kind of there's like some similarities to it, which I guess that makes sense. So um, I enjoyed it, and then you know there's a, of course a post credit scene. So I kind of I kind of talked about one, which I didn't specify that, and then the other one, which I'm sure you've heard about. Um, you know the the first one is one that was like spoiled a day after about a certain well-known celebrity slash singer uh acts singer slash actor appears as a as a character i thought that was cool i i think it's interesting casting i think it would be really cool to see like where are they gonna go with this this uh this character well first of all it's like it's like you really you're bringing this character and then it's like okay what are you gonna do with this character so that'll be interesting to see um, and along with this character, we had someone else was was with them. So there was another character who finally appeared. And I don't want to spoil that. I'm sure you can read about it if, if you really want spoilers. But you, it's important that you watch it and enjoy it for yourself. So I did enjoy the movie. I think it's it's definitely worth seeing. It might not be as super exciting for me as like, you know, Winter Soldier or, you know, and I like Black Widow too. You know, I know some people like want to, you know, poop all over that. It's like, just whatever. I, I just don't understand the, the need to try to crap all over things and try to tear it down. It's like, there is a, it was a stupid, I don't even know why I clicked that. I was just like, I was just so, what is this crap going to be? There's a New York Times article, like, Marvel Studios needs to stop making movies. It's like, why? And I, at one point, the article, article they're like, the, the movies are just like money makers. And you know, it's, it's like, okay, so the movies are successful. They're making money, but they should stop because you have a problem with whatever your problem is. That, that just doesn't make any sense at all to me. It's like, you don't like it? Don't go see it. And writing an article about that, it's like you're, you're giving more attention to it. I think they, they gave it like a one-star review. To me, that sounds like someone with an agenda, someone with like a, a bias. Uh, I mean, this is not a one-star movie. I mean, if this is your definition of one-star movie, you are freaking ridiculous. Because, uh, you know, even the production values, you know, and it, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. So that was Eternals. Uh, I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but it, I thought it was pretty good. I do want to see it again. In- interesting, you know, the departure from a Marvel movie. And that's the other thing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, all the Marvel movies are cookie cutter. They're all the same. It's like, no, they're not. This is clearly different. So you should, you're, you don't want to support something that's different because whatever. So there you go. So that, that is Eternals. I, I want to see it again. And uh, I will 
at some point. I, I don't know when. But I, I think you should see it. Or don't see it. I mean, it's up to you. But I, I think it's worth checking out. If it's a Marvel movie, and, and you know, this this could have repercussions for other movies. You know, if, if we're in Phase 4 or whatever, who, who knows what's going to come out of this. And, you know, the two big things in a end credit scenes, you know, that, that's got to play out somewhere. So I think you should watch it. And also, I think you should know that this is going to be the end of the episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show, and I appreciate them so much. I appreciate the other supporters as well. Um, you can be a supporter and get my appreciation, my thanks, and um, just my fill my heart with glee by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get more podcasts. So if you want more you can get 30 minutes more every single week. And uh, currently, or I was just talking about All-Star Batman and Robin, the boy wonder. But I think, I think I'm going to go with, here's a spoiler. I think I'm going to go with Ultimate Spider-Man. I think I might like, start reading some of those because I haven't read those in, in years. So I'm really kind of curious with that. And I want something a little more upbeat. You know, All-Star Batman and Robin is just so dreary. I actually read the next issue and I'm just, it's like Wonder Woman just like hating everyone. We got to kill Batman. Men suck and kill everyone. You guys suck. Superman sucks. And it was just, (laughs) it was too much. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Uh, next week, I might talk about Dexter. So Dexter has started by the time you're listening to this on Showtime. I don't know if it's if it's a podcast show because, you know, if you've never watched Dexter, is it going to make sense for me to talk about it? So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the movie feature is probably going to be Red Notice because I don't think there's anything opening in theaters next week. So it'll probably be that. There's less shows next week. I don't think maybe I should uh, maybe I'll try to watch Army of Thieves. I still haven't watched that, so maybe I can watch that. Even though that's a, a couple weeks late, but I can just give some quick impressions on that. And then uh, I think every, the other things are like the following week, like the Flash and Cowboy Bebop, and all that. That could be good for me to catch my breath, and you know, as I'm still dealing, waiting for this semester of statistics with my daughter to to end. <laughs> so I can get stay caught up. But thank you for listening. Um, I really appreciate you being here and you know, taking the time out of your listening schedule to include me. So I hope you are doing well. I hope everything is going fine in your life and uh, you're happy. Things are working out. But I really hope you remember, you know, be a good person and make sure you remember to be good to each other. 